Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show. Uh, my name is Darren Smith, your host, and I will be joined by my co-host Rodney Turner and Tony Hawkins, a.k.a. T-Hawk. Now we have a couple of rules and they are no profanity, no politics, and no racial stuff. And a reminder, this is not Bible study. Now, I will have a pastor on later, so uh, I will get formal with him and let him know that it's not Bible study either, but he's he's vital. He he, he needs to be on his show for this uh, particular uh, segment. All right, so let's get started. The name of the topic of the show tonight is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. All right, I asked, uh, well, first let me give you a little background. For those of you who don't know, the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was a movie in 1967 with Sidney Poitier. And yeah. what was the lady named? Y'all remember that? Uh, Catherine. Catherine. I remember Hawthorne. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and y'all know that was at the par- that was doing the paramount of racism. Now, this was 1967. They got they they had four million dollars to make the movie. It was seven million dollars nationwide that it made. Seven million dollars in ni- seventy. I'm sorry, seventy million dollars in 1967 equates to a half a billion dollars in 19. I mean, uh. Uh, 2014, and you know Rodney is the banker. That's 4.5 percent interest of inflation rate. So he'll already get you those numbers if you don't don't believe me. All right, and that was the third highest gross film in 1967. So people hated it, but they went to go see it because they couldn't stand a black man kissing on a white woman. So, but this show is not race, like I said, but it is it, very relevant to this show. If you equate that show from yesteryear to today, guess who coming to dinner? It could be anything or anybody bringing anybody to your table. So that's what we're going to get started on today. And guess what? It's not going to cost y'all $70 million to listen to it. It's going to be free. All right? So I got two guests that I want to start out with the first segment one is named TJ. The other one's named Paul. Uh, guys, you on here? We're here. This is Paul. Good evening. TJ, now I, 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 well, I'll get into how I met these fellas uh, later on. But you know, I want TJ. I'm gonna ask TJ first. Who did you bring to dinner? And you know what I'm talking about, so to speak. Well, uh, thank you for having me, Darren, on the show. Uh, dinner was uh, now my my ex-wife, who was Japanese. Okay. Paul, how about yourself, man? Uh, I appreciate it, brother, for letting me uh, share this experience with you. I brought a lovely Korean young lady to dinner about 25, 26 years ago, and we're uh, still eating together. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. It's up right now. Okay, great. I, yeah, you guys got a beautiful family. Um, but you know, all through my whole life, I've heard that uh, Asian women, yeah, the stereotype is uh, they are very humble, not aggressive, not argumentative, and they're very submissive <laughs> to their husbands. You know, <laughs> I want to know. From, okay, I, I first want to know. I first want to know from 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 Paul, is there any truth to that, or you know, are they just like black men? Well, there is some truth to that. Um, however, I didn't marry the traditional stereotype Asian woman. 
she's very business orientated and very dominating, to be honest with you. But yeah, we strict we we stick in a nice little balance there because uh, I'm let's get along, let's all get along. I'm very peaceful and I don't like strife and argument. But there are times okay. when you know we have to just have this healthy compromise. But yet she does do a lot of serving and, and helping around the house. But she's not that traditional, just totally submissive woman. Okay. So how about you, TJ? I would say uh, interesting that that my ex was not a traditional Japanese, if you will, uh, woman, that she was more independent and more, I would say, business-oriented, but at the same time more focused on success and her and her own success and, and working to find a balance. So it wasn't like she was uh, – submissive is not – a word that I would ever use as part of the vocabulary to describe uh, her personality. <laughs> so, so was was she from Japan? Was she born and raised in Japan and then came to the United States, or was born, she already born American? And, born and born and raised uh, in Japan in Tokyo. Okay, okay. You know, I know it's a lot of rich people over there. We'll get into the economic status later, but. How now? When you first brought her home to your parents and your family, uh, TJ, I'm asking, how? What was the family uh, acceptance? Were they re- rejecting her? Were they accepting her? What was it? Like? Well, that's a good question. I would say uh, it was a it was a mixed bag at first. Um, my father died years ago. Uh, uh, actually, during a uh, he had a within a cardiac arrest or any uh, kidney transplant. And so uh, I'm the youngest of five children, uh, have two brothers, two sisters. And so my, my mom, I knew that as long as the personality was going to be, um, her personalities you know, would, would get along with my mom, that, that my mom would be accepting of that. I mean, interesting enough, when I was growing up, my, there was this one Caucasian um, young woman that I went to uh, elementary and junior high school with that my mom thought that I would marry, but she had moved away, and so that was like, oh, you know, it was that was a, a surprise. So my mom was just completely open. She was more focused on the the personality of the person and the spirit of this person as opposed to just being an ethnicity. With okay. That, so- uh, with this, oh, yeah. I just want, I'll keep this, uh, my, my statements brief. Uh, I did have one sibling that had reservations and um, did not uh, attend the wedding. Uh, later, we were able to amend the, the, the communication and, and amend the healing uh, between my, that sibling and I and, and, and my, my ex. Okay. And, and, and Paul, you, uh, yes, you, when, you brought your, when you brought your wife, um, to your family, how did they receive? Did they receive her or reject her? What was the uh, the outcome well, of that meet? Mostly, they received her. I uh, did have an interesting situation with one big brother whom I look up to like a hero. It's not that he rejected her, but his point was, "Hey, man, marriage is difficult enough as it is. I always thought you were married a girl next door. Now you just threw in a whole bunch of extra." issues to deal with. And, you know, that's where he was coming from. It's not that he didn't accept her. So, um, you know, it was 
it was kind of tough hearing that from Big Brother, but he said it in love, and I, I could deal with that. And um, we end up all meeting. So mom and dad, no problem with her. Uh, they, they accepted her. It was a little culture okay. shock for her. But the reason why I ask that, I mean, we, we, we're not talking, of, we're, we're not um, racist, or we're not talking about, and, and, and we telling, we're telling everybody to be very respectful to all of our guests tonight because uh, some of the things you may agree with and you may not agree with, but we're just asking for everyone to respect everyone on the show. Okay? So, um, but with that said, um, how did, I'm asking Paul, how did her family treat you? Wow, now that's a whole different situation. Um, that was tough. Well, first, let me start off with a positive note. My mother-in-law, we fell in love. She treated me like a son. But just to back it up a little bit, my father-in-law accepted me at first when we were just friends because I went over. It wasn't love at first sight for my wife and I. We were just friends. That's all. I went over, ate dinner with the family, and talked, shook hands with the father. We were fine. But when he found out later on down the road that we were getting romantically involved and considering marriage, oh, no, he wasn't going to have that. This is his only... Baby girl, she's a a foreigner, a soldier. He's not an officer, Christian. Oh, that the tape, the list was long. Some things I've changed and worked on my education. I've gotten more education since then, but the things I wasn't, I wasn't able to change, uh, and the things I, I would be able to, but I wouldn't compromise on my faith, you know. So um, he literally kicked her out the house, physically cut her off, and it was difficult. Wow. Okay, and TJ, what about you, bro? How did how well, did her family receive you? Well, um, that was uh, quite a bit of strife on a number of levels. The the parents were not uh, accepting of this, and it it caused a it was just a quite a bit of strain. Um, particularly, the parents were back in uh, Japan, and then. Uh, yes, this is uh, DJ. I'm one of the guests on the show. Oh, hold on. Hold on one second. Oh, so Roger, I'll, I'll speak or not speak. I'll just pay, pay attention or... Okay, hold on, DJ. We we hear you, buddy. All right, hold on. We asking a, a guest to talk. Okay, not a problem. All right. Uh, Hello. Yeah, I'm sorry about Hi. that, man. Uh, um, the, uh, Rodney, can you take him to the back room when they come in? Already did. No, I'm go sorry. Ahead, sir. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, TJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was um, that was quite a, a bit of strife between um, my ex and her 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 parents uh, because they really were uh, very came from a very strict upbringing um, in, in in her own way, and um, so it, it was you know they just assumed that you know had a, had a dominant father. Um, a strong father who was uh, even part of security uh, had worked uh, in, in a number of different uh, military and uh, defense uh, areas for Japan and um, just assumed that, that she would, you know, marry a, a Japanese man. So this was quite a shock for, 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 for both uh, parents that, that was going down that road. And on top of that, even before then, there was a surprise because of their uh, a brother that decided to become a minister, Christian minister, 
And in that sense, it was both a denunciation of the brother uh, and their religious values and, and systems that he's now becoming this minister. And so they were hurting from that. And then, hey, well, we still have our daughter. And then turns around, oh, she's going to do this. And then it's like, a, I mean, I, I can understand that it was just this rejection uh, on their part. It's like, a, you know, from their part, it's like, hey, you're rejecting our traditions. And so they are in their own way would be mourning the um the shall we say not uh, not being a part of the the, the traditions that, that they uh, would carry on okay well check this out tj um now in and i know in japanese culture uh for outsider they have uh names that they call people outside Gai, of that Gai-jin. culture Gai-jin. Gai-jin, which is japanese for foreigner Gai-jin. okay Okay, a guy, Jen, and and did they take that approach to you as as you know as as part of your uh, your name calling or you know did they reject you pretty much when you was in that? Well, it, it wasn't again because I I didn't meet them till later, and and I, I do want to say that I mean that the, the while we were were together for some time, we were uh, together nineteen years um, later on. Uh, that there was a healing with the parents uh, once I had visited uh, uh, Japan five years after. Okay. I had a okay. chance to, 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 to talk with them, and they realized again, and even the, the, the parents had, had started to realize uh, just from the history uh, of, of there being prominent African-American men that have you know, were part of social change, they think they remember the impact of 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 Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, okay. example. So it isn't just the uh, tying into the stereotypes, if you will. Okay. Well, um, now I'm, it's, here's another stereotypical example, uh, or showing my ignorance. But every Japanese woman that I knew had a rich Japanese family, came from a rich background, and so career Koreans too. Um, they have a wonderful work ethic, and I'm just not stereotyping. I'm just saying that's what I've seen, and that's what I've heard. So I'm asking, what was your – and I know, you know, a lot of black people or like us, you know, we come from – we struggled when, you know, we was growing up, and our parents, we didn't have the best uh, of the best, you know. So uh, was that kind of lopsided, or what was their economic differences between you and your wife and their family. I'm talking to Paul right now. Let me see, let me ask Paul first. Yes, brother. Um, well, that's, I'm glad you bring that up because that was part of the challenge of getting married. Uh, you know, you got to keep it real. Um, the, the money comes into play, what you bring to the table. So I'm a young soldier in Korea. I'm not bringing home a lot of money, but um, I meet my lovely wife. And by the way, I, I was living in Korea for nearly three years. So I saw the rich Koreans and I saw the very poor Koreans. I mm-hmm. saw quite the extremities there. Um, my wife came from an extremely wealthy family. My father-in-law was bringing in seven figures a year and a good year, eight figures. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, she, uh, she grew up in a nice single family home in Korea. And that's not cheap. A lot of there were a lot of high-rise apartments there, a lot of uh, condominium-type living. My dad had a chauffeur, so she knew about wealth. On the other hand, 
I grew up in a family of 12 children. Dad had one child later on outside of the marriage. Uh, we were struggling. We were pretty poor. I was the baby boy. She was the eldest child, big sister. And um, I saw that difference. And sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes it was pretty intimidating. Okay. And you got to catch us on one of our later shows, and it's going to be called Just That, Im- Intimidation. So so uh, <laughs> that's a future episode. So, um, so when you um, – so her father was rich, yes. And and their expectation of her marrying somebody would be, at least in the culture, was she promised any kind of money? If you know, oh, oh yeah, she was not only promised money; she was promised a house, a car, and something like about twenty G's, some like a dowry or whatever, some major little bonus package, so to speak. Of course, this was contingent upon her. Man, who, you know, dad said would set her up or give his blessings to, so to speak. Oh wow! Okay. Pre prearranged or either acceptable, and I okay. I couldn't deny that those. Okay. How 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 about you, TJ? Well, uh, let's see here. Um, my ex family was, um, I would say at best, moderate uh, middle class. Uh, both the, I mean, the, the, the mother worked uh, in nursing and became a head nurse. The, the father, again, was in different uh, areas of, shall we say, intelligence, I think would be the easiest word to to, to describe it, uh, his, his occupation. And they lived in government, they lived in Tokyo and lived in, in government housing. Now, Shibuya was and still is one of the places uh, in the in the, the center in terms of, of its density, its intensity, its creative process. The easiest way to describe it is it's like the Soho district of New York on steroids. Is okay. uh, the, the, the level of density, and that's where uh, my ex grew up. And the real estate was and still is some of the most expensive in the world, which is again so. Then, thus, the government housing is it was its own blessing to be able to live in that type of area, and and be able to um, niche out a living in in that city. Okay, so, so again, oh, just one thing. I was you know again the youngest of five children, and you know my my father, you know died and left uh, my mom who was in her 30s uh, with, with, you know, five uh, they were, we weren't angels, I say we were five angles, if you will Okay, <laughs> alright Five angles of living and uh, so you know, but we, you know, we made you know, she made, we made it happen she made it happen and, uh, Well, you keep, you keep saying, you keep saying your ex, you know um, and I know Paul, Paul is still married, and you know you have an ex-Japanese wife of 19 yep. years. Mm-hmm. Um, could you would you mind sharing why you, why you guys got a divorce, or do they have anything to do with uh, family or? No, finances? I would say I would say it was more just life happens. I mean, every every relationship has a shelf life, regardless of whether you're in a in an, um, a same. Um, whether a person is really in a uh, a same ethnicity 
relationship or a mixed ethnicity relationship. Life happens, and okay. we just were not getting along like we were before. And I wanted to see about working through things, and she wanted to just you know move on. And so it's like if one person wants to work through and one doesn't, then it's like okay. So it wasn't a matter of uh, anyone really stepping out uh, of the, the relationship. I would say it was it was its own challenge because I was uh, moving, returning from from being out in Colorado and having a position in Colorado and thinking that I would return to the area to um, to start a family. And, and so it was just, for me, challenging to find a position. So that, okay. you know, causes its own strain. And so okay. I, I would, would say there's really more of a, a life happens. Okay. Well, I, the reason, and, and does anybody have any questions for our guests? This is uh, TJ and Paul, and they both married to Korean uh, foreign women uh, that was raised in, in I think, uh Paul, your wife was a Buddhist, and then she converted over to Christianity. TJ, did your wife? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm sorry, uh, Paul. Would, Paul, go ahead and tell. What you, you saying? Yes, that is correct. She uh, was a Buddhist, and she converted to Christianity, and that caused problems with the with the marriage relationship. Also, you know, her father wasn't looking for her to marry a Christian man. Okay. How about you, TJ? Yeah. Well, the uh, my ex grew up with the with again with the, the Buddhist traditions, and she began to. I mean, she read the Bible and and she respected Christ, but it wasn't like she fully adapted and became a Christian per se. I think she had her own issues with. I think the positions that the Bible had taken with respect to um, women in the Bible, and I think she had her own reservations. So okay. that was one of those okay, um, and um, so, uh, but again, there were issues with the, with her brother who 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 not only converted but became a minister in, in, in his own right uh, and still is a Christian minister. But there there have been, but they have those parents have resolved worked again to to resolve their issues even with with that area. Okay, I have a great. question for both of them. Um, can can I ask it? Yes, sir. Sure. Yeah, um, and and I'm assuming that both of you guys are black. Yes, um, And from what I've seen, and and usually this is, and I haven't seen this a whole lot, but usually when I've seen Asian women, they're if they're going to marry outside their race, they're not going to marry a black man. They're going to marry a white man. I've, I've seen very, very, very few black men with Asian women. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you did you notice that is that a, is that is that true or is that just my myopic view and did that, did that cause problems? That you you're right on. Let me if TJ, if you don't mind, let me just speak up to that right fast because that was another thing my father-in-law had against me. Yes, uh, I was. I did notice many Asian women with many more white guys. As a matter of fact, I had gone to Germany, Europe, in the military. And I had gone there only on a trip after I got married. But if I had gone to Germany, it was just the opposite in Germany. A lot of the German women were married to more black guys. So, yeah, that was something else that was a challenge, um, feeling. Um, and I put some pressure on my wife because sometimes she would say people would notice 
you're dating a black guy. Why aren't you dating a white guy? Yeah, it seemed to me like like the Asians look down on the blacks. That's just how it seemed to me. I, I could be wrong. I, I think it, it depends. I mean, you do have a valid point that there are, uh, I would say, a percentage or I don't know the exact uh, data, if you will, on on uh, Asian women dating or marrying more Caucasian men. Uh, I think across the board, I think Caucasian men have a Descartes Blanche uh, ability more so than, than, than any other um, ethnicity to, to marry outside than another Caucasian. Uh, with that said, um, that was one, at first that was one tension and, you know, that, that she was marrying this, 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 um, this black man. She did, the father had said that, but then later, you know, really retracted that. Because there, because there is even worse than that, you know. In their eyes, is again we look at the history would have been marrying someone who was Russian. Uh, again, with uh, again after the territories that are in northern Japan that were um, uh, confiscated or shall we say acquired uh, aggressively by Russia over Japan. So there is that tension that is still there. But even with that said, let's fast forward to 2014, where in Japan, the most popular actor uh, is an African-American man. He's the highest paid um, daytime actor from L.A. So, and it's just that he, he just, he, and, and interestingly, he married a Japanese woman. And so even, I don't recall his name, but it's very easily, if you look up, you know, even just simple Google um, uh, his his name. So the 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 culture and norms. It just depends on. Um, uh, it it depends on how these stereotypes and then actualities are 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 portrayed. Okay. Anybody got any other questions for our guest? I, I, I have this. a question really quickly. Um, considering that uh, both of you gentlemen uh, married women that were born and raised. And in those in those different countries, what is it that you fell in love with? I mean, Asian women are attractive and all that, but besides the physical attraction, how did you end up falling in love with them? Good question. You want to, you want to go first, TJ? Okay. Well, I would say uh, we met uh, in in school uh, in uh, out in Colorado. And that was um, we both were were studying media, and so we had that that commonality. And it was just the the chemistry was there. I mean, I wasn't at first even one to at the time. Uh, this wasn't like something that I was looking to to roll my train into the station. This was just something I was going to hit and keep on moving, if you will. <laughs> just a, a, taste, a taste of Japan on my international um, palate. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can I ask, was she thinking the same thing? Was she thinking that you no. know, she tried a black man and, you know, well, uh, in her, her Hey, man, once you go black. <laughs> once you go black. You know. Well, uh, the thing is that um, after talking with her and then she was always interested and curious about um, – I think growing up about black men and about black people and thought they were, you know, beautiful and fascinated with, you know, the culture in particular. I mean, in Japan, there's there's such an immense culture and still this hardcore jazz in terms of 
some of the finest um, musicians, even if we look at the Bologna's Monk Institute and some of the um, uh, Osaka being one of the, the great uh, cities of jazz, and, along with Tokyo. Uh, and with that said, um, having the just being curious about the culture, um, let's see here, uh, further answer your question. So I, it was more, I think, after we, we you know, were just hanging out and, and having some fun and, and then seeing my personality, then later on she had mentioned that, uh, that even just when I asked her a question when we first started dating, are you looking to stay here or are you looking to go back to Japan? And that's when she said, I'm looking to stay here. And then you know, I was like, yeah, okay, you know. And then we, I just kind of kept rolling around, and that's the, of course, the strategy of, hey, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to start by, you know, start moving. Later on, she told me the strategy: stay here, keep moving, keep moving closer, closer, closer. Ha ha ha! I, I now have this person. So my strategy was, eh, you know, we'll just kind of hang out, see how it goes, have some fun, and you know, just kind of move on. Was she the, was she the traditional Japanese woman that wanted to be married before she had sex, or was she? I mean, because I no. Oh, okay. No, no. We we uh, in fact we even lived together in, like for five years before we got married. Oh. So, no, it was more like live together to see what this is like, and then yeah, if we can live, if we can make this work, let's then go on and 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 you know get married. What about and how does their how does okay, how does their culture how does their culture view shacking up? Well, again, you've got a whole you've got a mixture of hodgepodge of, of traditions. Um, that was not something that shall we say that her parents particularly knew because they were again in Japan. It was the don't ask, don't tell um, <laughs> to avoid that um, that uh, tension, if you will. And uh, so there's. And that's a mixed uh, that, that's a mixed bag because you still have traditional practice. Then you have the those that are you know doing what they what they want, and even a mixture of people that are simply not in relationships in, in Japan, which is which is indicative of their decline in population. Mm-hmm. Is it the same? Is it is it the same for Korea, uh, Paul? Is it the same way for Koreans than it is like for Japanese or? It's a little different. Uh, let me back up a little bit just to get to that original question about the um, marrying outside the race and all. And let's see, to back it up a little bit, my game plan was actually just to go to Korea for one year. I was in the Army, and they, were, they promised me a deal. Hey, if you take this little hardship assignment to Korea, you can go wherever you want to go after that. So my plan was, no problem, I'm going to go back to San Antonio, Texas, Fort Sam Houston, there's a big Army medical base there, a whole lot of ladies, about five or six ladies for every guy, you know, the nurses and all that stuff. Uh, that was my plan. <laughs> Next thing I know, I get in Korea, and um, I start going, moving around, taking little tours, and I met uh, my beautiful wife. Well, she was just a friend at first, no love at first sight. I met her in the PX, the Post Exchange. That's like the military department store for shopping, and she was working out of consignment place selling cookies and all. Mm. And, and you bought those cookies. I bought the cookies, and I'm still buying the cookies, man. I, I get cookies a lot now. <laughs> those are expensive damn cookies. 
cookies, man. Uh, but anyhow, my buddy teased me about that, man. I don't want to go bad on you, but he said cookie rhymes with nookie. Anyhow, <laughs> bring it back. Well, that's what we were talking bring about. Tra- bring it back on track. Uh, we right. very, very private. She's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. If you know about that Myers-Briggs exam, ENFP, extrovert, intuitive, thinking, yep. feeling, all that stuff, I'm extreme. She's like super introvert, judgment, uh, think, thinking, no feeling. So we were very opposite. Well, that kind of attracted me to her. She's reading her Bible. She's keeping quiet. So we just were friends. She would like talking to me because I was high energy, a little hyper, stuff like that. And um, I see... And, and I also, before that, I had a girlfriend in the States. She, she mailed me a Dear John letter, by the way. That was tough, man. You know, mm. the classic Dear John letter. So yeah. then all of a sudden, um, it wasn't because I got the Dear John letter, but I just started getting more and more interested in my wife. And then I just started noticing seeing some beauty in aging young ladies. But I've also noticed beauty in all races. Uh, I've dated a beautiful white young lady. I've dated a lovely black sister. Just... Uh, it, it was just that uh, we clicked. We uh, I like that we didn't start off like dead in love or whatever. We grew to know each other. And just to well, finish it off, just to finish it off, I mean, after 25, 26 years of marriage, I still fight for my marriage today. I love my wife, but don't get me wrong. It's, it's not like all peaches and cream. I know couples who have gotten divorced after 30 and 35 years of marriage, so I'm not on easy street. I still continue to fight for my marriage this day. But let, let me ask one of y'all, uh, both of y'all a question real quick. Um, I know when I was uh, growing up, and, you know, it was almost okay to see black and white together, you know, uh, a black uh, interracial couple together, but everything else getting looked at. Uh, sideways, you know, they were like, oh, wait a minute, that. She's not white. She's Russian. She's not white. She's this. You know, so do, do you guys get any flack from the black women that see you guys with um, the, the, the Korean and the Asian wives? Do you guys get any problems from, from strangers? I would Uh-oh. like to answer that first um, because I know it, it sounds like Paul is, is again, still having a, a Korean uh, wife. He, he's still uh, current. In the past, it would... It, would get a, a number of different looks, you know, some would, you know, would look with uh, disdain or had, uh, you know, some uh, say something under their breath or even, even one time I had a woman just was, you know, was from, from uh, Atlanta that came up to me, excuse me, it seems like there's a bunch of different, you know, interracial couples that are here and and, and was, was referring to, uh, uh, at the time, um, uh, was was referring to to DC, and I was like, well, whoever is, you know, it's not your business. And then, you know, I let, you know, I was letting her know that, you know, that people just do what they're going to do. And uh, then she re- 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 retracted her her, her statement. Um, with that said, um, equally, you know, when I was traveled to Japan the, the first time was exhausting because I would simultaneously get all kinds of looks, even just going down the on the street, you know, it gets one, you know, other women that may be desiring, other people that may be repulsed, and uh, others that are looking at me, others that are looking at her, 
Uh, and that, I mean, that is, you know, where the state of the, the culture of Japan was. Now, from when we were together, um, being in the States, again, you would, would get uh, a number of different looks. And at the same time, you'd have some people that would be, uh, would, would be friendly. It would just depend, again, on the, the also the, the culture of, again, having lived in, in six different states. Different states have different uh, cultures, if you will, uh, for, mm-hmm. for feel and, and, and temperament. So it just just depends also also the the, the locale. Okay. All right. What about you, Paul? Did you yeah, ever have any sisters get angry with you for dating a, a Korean woman? I surely did. Um, and my wife also had Koreans get a little angry, or uh, sometimes jealous, or uh, you know, curious about black man. Why are you dating that black man or whatever? But uh, as far as my side goes, I remember her walking down the street with me, you know, and um. I had dated some beautiful sisters, white sisters, black sisters in Korea, but uh, the, the black sisters, there weren't many black female soldiers compared to white soldiers, and so they kind of had to stick to the litter. I hate to use that term, but they, they could, like, flip, flip brothers or whatever. They could choose who they wanted, and a lot of times you would see that. I hate to make it sound like that, but um, and I'm like, oh, man, they're just taking advantage of us or whatever. And um, I just and I'm, when you say flip, when you say flip brothers, what do you mean by when you say flip brothers? I mean they they have a nice selection of African Americans to choose from <laughs> over in Korea. Only uh-huh. a few sisters yeah. and many brothers over there. So like, okay, okay, I'm done with him. Next, 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 whatever. Okay. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I see, I see what's happening here. Um, so it's not like I dated. My wife, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but when I did start dating her, I remember one young lady looked at me and gave me this, you know, the eyes can say so much. And she kind of did something under her voice. But I got the feeling of how dare you uh, diss us sisters like this. How can mm. you do that? How can you do that, you know? And it, it was it cut. It was, it was hurting me because, I, I mean, I have black sisters. I think about them, you know. Family. I love all. I don't want to go the opposite and show favoritism to the Asian and just my own folk, my people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that uh, it's the black women, but not the black men? The black men could care less. Yeah. 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 I think it's, I I, I would agree with that. I think it depends on, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I find uh, African-American women to be incredibly beautiful. I think, yeah. if, if anything, it was just simply the chemistry I had with my ex. Is what, you know, I found her attractive, certainly, because of that desire, you know, was, was the generative uh, aspect. You know, I think of relationships, you have that infatuation, which may yield into some kind of love, be it however that's going to be interpreted, you know, whatever the, the, the culture, norm, and spirituality behind that. But then the balance is for it not to come into what could simply be power play or a power struggle um, between both parties. Um, okay. and so that, that, that is one issue, regardless of whether you're dealing with uh, a Caucasian woman or a, an Asian or, a, or an African American. I've dated women of different ethnicities and from different parts of the world. Um, and with that said, it, it comes down to we have to still remember they are still women. And there's no right. 
there's the potentiality of them working on manipulation, control, and dominance. So I think that from my experience, depending on the, the ethnicity, they can come about manipulation and control and dominance from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So okay, let me, let me... Okay, I got one more question for you, TJ. Uh, now that you're divorced, you was in a relationship with your wife for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, you, I, I'm not afraid. I'm not homophobic or nothing like that, but I, I, you're a fairly attractive older gentleman. Are you gonna? I know you know everyone needs building their their you know companion and everything. Are you gonna continue to date um, foreign women, or would you desire, or you just wanna, you just would prefer a mate, or would it have to be a certain um, kind of person, or ethnic, or I mean, or a certain religion, or a certain race, or a certain? Are, are you so used to Japanese women that you can't go back to? No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. I mean, you know, we we went our ways a number of years ago, and with that, I mean, I've dated other African American women. I've dated Caucasian women, even Latin uh, women, and even Eastern uh, women from Scandinavian countries. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. again, I'm looking for intellectual engagement capacity and just I have to have that chemistry of desire. And I have to have desire back to me. There's just there's such an abundance of women out here. I don't have to sweat any woman. And that's just not okay. me, any man. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're a, a decent man and intelligent and focused, we don't have to ever sweat women. And the thing is, I think they just have to get... What about your brother? And they have to get their minds around that. I mean, a woman's happiness is not my responsibility. I'm responsible for my own happiness. She has to be equally commensurately responsible for her own happiness, and we move together. Mm. So, um, again, it just has to do with, I, you know, for looking at certain um, issues, I mean, even the issues that I've had with, with certain uh, women that have been African-American, I mean, I find them to be, I mean, incredibly beautiful. But it's just there's been this power struggle of manipulation, dominance, uh, wanting to dominate on the relationship, but again, uh, women from other ethnicities will want to do- to manipulate in a different way. Okay. So it don't, it don't matter the it don't matter the creed, the color, uh, any the background. You're saying that a woman will manipulate a man. Absolutely. There's a, wow. that, that would be what I call a shadow aspect of her spirit, or within the nature of. I mean, let's remember, a leopard is still a leopard that still, you know, will not change its spots. You have to know, going back to the, the very nature of of women, I don't, you know, I don't give a woman a free pass. You know, it's just more than anything in our society, we see more and more of this quote-unquote victimization that is that is here. But if anything, men are the ones that are least of burden in our society that are more victimized. I mean... We look at how the court system is. We look at how how so many aspects are within our society towards men. So that's why I think it's wonderful that you have the show to be able to, so that men can actually uh, talk about these, these these situations. But for me, I'm I'm open. It's just if the chemistry is there, if the person I'm able to engage within dialogue within this person, there is some hunger. Like I can devour like them like a lion. You know, they have to know that you know that. 
uh, you know, my my sexuality as a man, this is something that is nourishing and therapeutic, and the person has to have a, a, that sexual hunger with them to, to look at, you know, this is being uh, something sexual. And, and then okay. they want that back with them. One final thing, because I don't want to just keep talking and not have so many other people talk, is yeah. that, and there have been, you know, over the years, there have been so many women that I've just said no to, even when, you know, I didn't mess around when I was married. And when, you know, we went our own separate ways, you know, I've had plenty of women that, you know, let me know that they were interested in having sex. And it's like, mm. just because right. I'm a man doesn't mean that I'm just going to jump on any any train, you know, walking down the street. You there know, you go. Any, anything, you know, just because it's offered doesn't mean that I'm going to take it. And the, the, so often I see... This concepts of, of, and I don't agree with a lot of the things that someone such as, um, although he's been amazingly successful, but someone like with Steve Harvey, a lot of the things that he talks about, I just don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a number of things like the, the concept of women just think that men, with what do they think? You know, with what? Well, they're on, you know, you know, they're thinking like there's something wrong with, like men are constantly just thinking with one thing, and that is not the case. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, I think that changes as you get older. You know, when you're 17, 18, 19, that's a different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. You know, as you get to be, you know, 35, 40, 50 years old, things change. And and the power power structure changes also because, you know, back then, you know, you're fighting to get a piece. When you get older, you realize you can get it anytime you want it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I would I would say that would go with with I mean the drive if if the young man uh, is is guided and mentored to convert that energy into creativity and thinking, you know, in both either in logic or thinking uh, as ways as an outlet, then there there is just a wonderful abundance of intellectual and, and creative possibility instead of just going to get laid, if you will. The other yeah, thing, yeah, but, but but younger women think this stuff is lying with gold. Okay, and and they they're gonna try to have you, you know, you you go out there trying trying to think you're gonna, you know, it's live or go. As you get older, you realize, you know what, you ain't got nothing that nobody else doesn't have. <laughs> you know what? And as you get older, and 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 you start getting you together, you realize I don't really need you. And you know what? There's a a whole lot more of you out there that need me than I need you. Yes, I I, I agree with that. That what you just said completely in terms of the what I, I've mentioned the abundance. Well, and, and it's not like I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. I actually very much agree with everything you said. I'm just going to modify it slightly and just say that if the young men were mentored by men such right. as you know that are older men as to right. look, this is the way you need to be focused. Right. You know uh, that is that's you know is this person an asset to your life or a liability? Is you going mm-hmm. out there chasing this you know this 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 woman over here, is that an asset? Because, hey, just because it's offered doesn't mean you don't have to take it because if she gets pregnant, game over. Right. That's right. That's right. All these visions and, and, and strategy that you want to, you know, so that it's a matter of, of, of as, as men, regardless of African American, Asian, Latino, as men focusing on logic and strategy. But at 19 and 20 years old, we don't know the game. But that's where again the ideal situation is. If if a they notice it, 
first of all, there are those that, that have to realize they don't know the game, B, and then seek those that do know the game okay. and then start to learn at that point. Yeah. Then they can but really... we, we, don't, we don't have enough sense to do it. <laughs> but one, yeah. one thing, and one thing about it, these the guys, and and I wanted to kind of move on to the next uh, guest because what you what you just said lead into uh, his perfection in the kind of person that you kind of want to seek for guidance. But um, a person being in this position, you would think that um, everything is okay, hunky dory, okay. And I want to introduce my my next guest, his name is Pastor Leonard. Uh, he goes to my church, um, but he has a unique situation. And his situation is, if you don't do you do you want to share it, Pastor Leonard, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Yeah, I want to go formal because I, I, I don't want nobody to think that this is a show about religion. So can I call you Mr. Leonard? Oh, yes, sir, absolutely. Okay, all right, Mr. Leonard, check this out. I can okay. Can you tell us your situation and why? Um, just just tell us your situation. Well, my situation is basically I'm, I'm uh, I've always been in ministry and um, married to an apostle. I was living, okay. born and raised in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, uh, apostle and I, we we came together. Yeah. Um, when we came together. Uh, there was just a mutual attraction there, you know. So, um, the first time I had Hey, Mr. Leonard, you outside? Yes, sir. Yeah, you're a lot of like leaves blowing or something in the background when you're talking. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, get that out of there. Yeah, I hear, I hear something. Okay. Yeah, that's locusts. Yeah, the locusts. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Is it better now? Yes, yes, much better, yep. Thanks. Okay, so uh, the reason why uh, I asked you to come on, not for, um, you know, the the the, um, the church part, but the part about the ranking, uh, can okay. you explain the difference between an apostle and a pastor? Well, if, if, if I could put it more in a different perspective, you figure when you're on a job, you have a manager, and the manager you see every day, he works with you more on a personal uh, level. But you also have uh, the apostle would be like a district manager who has the same perspective, but the district manager, um, from a from a perspective of they do a lot more than the pastor does. The pastor is uh he deals more with uh, our personal lives, you know, the personal things that we have. He's more of a caretaker, you know, in you know, in house caretaker. But the apostle is more distant. The apostle deals more with with those things, administrative things, if you can really so, if you can see that analogy. So if so I would say in, in basic in basic terms, an apostle is how many levels higher than the pastor? Uh, I would say two, because then you have the two. bishop, and then you have the apostle. Okay, so, so your wife, in essence, outranks you in the church. Absolutely, yes. Okay, wow. now, does that does that bleed over into the marriage? In 
in my particular situation, it does. Because my wife is very what I call, I think I heard the brother say tonight that um, uh, he's extrovert and his wife was more introvert. My wife is very uh, extroverted, and I'm I'm the introvert, you know. You know, I could sit and watch TV all day. I don't need nobody. I could be all night, all day by myself. But my wife, she's got to have people around her. Okay, and how's that? How's that affecting? I mean, how is that in the marriage? That can can how's that bleeding over into marriage? Are you like? Can you tell your wife, look, I don't want nobody in my house today, and that's just that. Well, I gotta put on my boxing gloves. I gotta put on my shoes. You know, I gotta oh, strap man. down. You know, yeah. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fight. Yeah. Do you I think mean, that she's that very fight? very bold? Okay, even you know. towards you as a husband. As yeah, as yeah. Husband? And, you know, if if you're not a mature brother. Then you gonna, I mean, you gonna have some serious problems. Serious. Okay. Every brother can't really deal with that. You know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, uh, but Darren, it it takes a special kind of brother because I have a, a good friend who is in the same situation, and it's like looking in a mirror. His wife is an apostle, and him and I, are, I mean, we we just like blood brothers because we we see so much likeness. You know, and so you know we 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 bond. I mean, we like. I mean, I know you, bro. You know me. So hey, let's let's work this thing together. But you really have it, it's a it's a very very different um, perspective from being a husband to an apostle. I mean, it has matured me in some areas that I don't think I was very mature in. Um, it is really at many times it has put where I've got my shoes and put them to the front door. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I at times I just couldn't deal with it. You know, but I mean, there were times when I actually asked her to take me to the airport because I couldn't take it no more. But I heard, you know, that voice say, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you asked for it, so you deal with it." Mm-hmm. And okay, anybody got any questions before I ask my next one? Because it's gonna be a doozy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, this is uh, Paul. I had a question for Mr. Leonard. Oh, it's Paul? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back to the extrovert-introvert thing, I mean, because basically, you all have, do you all have children, and how does that affect the children? Because we have two sons, and, you know, the children are watching, so if you have a son, how does she deal with this? And if you have a daughter, does she see that mom's running things, and how does that, you know? <laughs> well, well Paul, let me, let, let, let me explain my situation. I have a son and I have a daughter. Now, you got to understand, I'm coming from Florida, so they're still in Florida, and so they're not here where, you know, we have to deal with them. She has three sons, but the three sons are—they're all older, you know. That they're older young men, and we just have the the youngest when when we married was still in the house, and boy, I tell you, uh, Nicholas gave both of us. A run for the money, you know. I mean, from from drugs to alcohol to you name it. It just was one thing after another. You know, I'm I'm down in the basement one morning, and I hear somebody kicking in the front door, and it's Prince George Police. 
you know, they got the SWAT team coming in because, you know, he's, he's got involved with this group, you know, that's taking computers from a, from a school. So, I mean, it has been really, really a journey with, with this marriage. And, and I, I think I have a great testimony because I'm still hanging in there with the same woman for uh, almost 10 years now. So let me let me ask you a question. Do do she submit to you as a wife should submit to her husband? Because she can't submit to you in 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 a church because she outranks you in the church. But well, can she submit to you in the in the house where she's supposed to be? Like, hey, baby, can you get me something to eat? And does her? No, I'll. I'll uh, it's actually I got too many questions. So answer that one first. Does she submit no, I mean, to you in the home? In actuality, uh, brothers, I think, no, she does not. And that's the problem. That is one of my main problems that I have to deal with even to this day, you know, because, you know, if, 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 it's like having somebody that's just what I call hard-headed, won't listen. You know, there are moments now when, yes, yes, but you know, it's just it's just an ongoing thing, and 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 I think that's one of the factors that determines helps me determine. It's all it's like a a nudge, you know. When Paul talked about he had a thorn in the flesh, it's like a something it just keeps nudging you whether to stay or go, you know. And, and now, now, Leonard, you didn't see this before you married her. Uh, not really. I I, I really didn't. I mean, we dated for we dated for a year, and I think Paul. My problem was is that we did not spend time as a couple because we were long distance. I was mm-hmm. there in Florida, and he she was here in Maryland. So we spent that whole year on the phone. Oh, yeah. So that it was never never a a time when we just you know spent you know together so it's like I, I never really saw the other side of her and I guess she never saw the, the other side of me until it was that week that we decided to get married but uh, we so you didn't we, lay, you didn't lay down the road oh, go ahead I'm sorry go ahead you know and, and it's, it's kind of unbelievable because every single day you know we talked every single day we prayed every single day and everything seemed as if you know everything was good until you, until, you know, I came up here and, you know, moved in with her. And and not to try to deviate from uh, from the topic, but personally, I would never, ever, that's one of the things I would, I would never, ever do that again in my entire life, move in with, you know, someone who already has something that's already established. If we get some, we gonna get it together. We ain't gonna be no, no. It's yours, and you know when you get hot, <laughs> you talking Amen. about this, you know, this, yep. okay, you know, you got to go and all that. No, 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 no. We ain't do. I would never do that again. So, so when you so, came in, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna just say, so kind of like what I was saying. There was that one infatuation uh, stage, and then it's just power play. Right. Right. Mm. Exactly. Okay. Exactly, and I think if, if, if oh, go ahead, brother. No, 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 go, 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 go. No, I think if more brothers would really talk about situations like this, get it on the, put it on the table, 
You know, mm-hmm. like at the end tonight, get this on the table so that brothers who have gone through this can share with other brothers and say, hey, you know, don't come down this road. I've already been here, and I'm telling you, man, <laughs> you know, make a left turn. One thing you mentioned was about you guys at long distance, and one of the things that that people don't get in long distance, uh, unless you live in the same city with somebody, you get you don't you can't get to know them. Uh, right. You 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 have that infatuation period in right. any relationship. Usually, it's about six eight months, maybe a year. When you date long distance. That in fact infatuation period is a lot longer because you're not around each other so much, and right. you need to be in the same city with somebody so you can see them on a regular basis. Maybe not every day, but every couple of days, whatever. So you mm-hmm. can really get beyond that and see who this person really is. Right? Are y'all hear what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Let's try to fix that. There you go. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Andrew. That's, that's go ahead. Yeah, this is this is one of the things that we counsel people with because um, you know, it's not real when when you're at that distance because you can't see them in all the different situations that you that that the point of dating is. Dating right. is to be able to see somebody in all the different situations with their friends, their family and this and that, so you can understand what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, one thing that reminds me of um, TJ here is kind of like if you met someone at work, mm-hmm. you see them put on their professional uh, persona, if you will, and then, right. you, then later on you see what the real deal is. It's like, wait a minute, th- th- this is not what I signed up for. Exactly. Okay, okay, well, hold on hold on one second. I just wanted to, because I, I wanted to stay on track because we got, a, we got another guest and, um, and uh, we want to, don't want to bleed into too much time. Um, but I, I wanted to ask, I wanted to finish asking uh, uh, Mr. Leonard, uh, when you and when you moved up here with your wife, right. um, did you kind of like have to get in line like everybody else and cater to her? Like, or was everybody catering? Because she was an apostle. She is an apostle. So everybody around her all the time. Uh, you know, you have to kind of get in line. You move into her house. You you fall in the form, you know, fall in the format, fall in the in the line like the other people. And and how how was it as far as uh, your household was concerned? When you, well, when as you far moved? as other people, now I can say she has always always respected and acknowledged me. Now, that's one thing she's always done. Mm. You know, and she would never let anybody say anything negative either openly or privately, you know, against our marriage, against me or her. It's always been that way. So I'll give her that. Okay. All right. So so, so when you, when it comes down to disciplining the children, did she allow you to step up, even if it was her son, did she allow you to step up and be a man to him? Or was it more so like her saying, hey, you know, this is my son, I got it. You know, um, you step back, and 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 I'll take this one. Well, you know, uh, I think you got to first understand a little bit about me. I'm I'm old school, and I believe I'm I'm more like uh, you know that show. Uh, uh, what's that show? Uh, with uh, John Amos, Good Times. Good Times. Right. 
Yeah, I'm 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 sort of like I'm sort of like uh, James, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and you know I I believe highly in respect. You know, you you're not gonna talk to me any kind of way because I'm gonna always respect you, son or daughter, and I'm going to expect that in return. Anything less, then we got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you know, my wife is more the lenient type. You know, they say anything, you know, and it's okay. And I'm like, I'm, I'm gritting my teeth, you know, because okay. these are, you know, these are her sons, and you know, and, and she's very. And the other thing that I had to deal with, she's very protective of, you know, her sons, you know, and so that's, I had to really get stopped in the face with that one as well. So coming into this marriage, you know, even though she's wearing the title of apostle. There's, there's still, you know, were a lot of things that, you know, I really, really had to deal with as a man, you know, and it was like, okay, either, Lenard, you're going to deal with this or you're going to pack your bags and you're going to go back to Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Was this your first marriage? Well, this is my second marriage. Okay. In your, in your second marriage, were you looking for something different than you had in your first marriage? Were you married to a uh, person like this in the first marriage? No, you know what? I, I just totally—I believe I totally messed up. My first marriage, you know, I, you know, I just came out of the military. You know, I was gun ho, you know, and still teaching and, and still preaching ministry. But I was a hothead, you know. If it didn't go my way, you know, hey, it ain't going, you know. And I had to learn that the hard way, you know, because I was really stubborn. And my first wife, you know, she was really you know, a good wife and really kind. And I just messed that up. You know, I, I take the ball for that. I just totally messed that up. And I think what, one of the things that happened is because, you know, there's a period when when you divorce, go through divorce, there's a period when between that end of that divorce and when you meet someone else, you go through what I call it's a Down syndrome. You know, you want to meet somebody, but, you know, you don't want and I think, you know, I met my wife because she's very spiritual, and, and I was I was trying to, you know, get back on the same track, you know, get back up again, and 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 it was a distant marriage, and so a lot a lot of things were going on, and so um, I, I just, you know, I, I just learned a lot, learned a lot. So when you guys get invited to 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 these dinners and barbecues and other events, are they inviting? The position, or are they inviting the couple and expect the position to show up? Uh, yeah. Uh, most of the cases, you know, at, uh, especially at where we are at Easter Bethel, you know, the type of leadership that we have is always, you know, invites the person. And whether or not, the, you know, the uh, position shows up or not, you know, that's the kind of leadership we have. But usually that's the way it is, whether the position shows up or not, you know, is so do, what we I mean what what I've experienced. Do you feel like a do you feel like a tag along? Like uh well um I mean 'cause I mean I've seen So they're people, so they're inviting the apostle over for dinner and her husband. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you can Most bring your husband. Is... We just want the apostle to come through. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I've never. I don't think I've really got 
gotten those vibes. Um, it's mostly, <laughs> you know, y'all come, you know, you and your wife come. You know, mostly it's the, the brother will come to me and the wife will come to, you know, my wife. And usually that's the way it is, you know. Okay. But I okay. think I'm, I'm, I would, I could be wrong, but I think I would probably be a product of low self-esteem if, if I really felt like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just asked that question because when, 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 when our boss, regional manager, and her husband come, he's right. like sitting off in the corner, and you know, like somebody got to go rub his hand and like, hey, man, you all right? You know, so, so I just want to know if it was like that in our relationship. But when you guys, when you guys do counseling, I know you guys counsel a lot of couples. Right. Do, are you allowed to speak more so than your wife, or are they expecting her to do all the talking, or? You know, because it's also a ranking thing there, too, because it's, you know, you're talking about marriage, but right. the apostle supposedly is, you know, the one that's supposed to be in charge. Well, I think in my situation now, I can't speak for anybody else, but in my situation, my wife doesn't really, that's one of the things about her. She's, she doesn't really talk about, you know, her personal life a whole lot. She really you know, doesn't put that out there like that. You very, very seldom hear her talk about her personal life. Because she feels like, you know, that's that's just a part of me that, you know, that's a part of me that that's nobody else's business. So that's just how she feels. I've I got a question for you. Um, I keep hearing all these titles thrown around. Um, what is with all this status title stuff? Um... For me, you know, my wife, she calls me by my first name, Lenard, but she refers to me when we're in public to Pastor Lenard. I, I, I believe it's just out of respect. I mean, I don't need the title. You know, hey, I'm just Lenard. You know, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, what's up? You know, I'm not one of those people who walk around, man, I'm Pastor Lenard. You know, get it right. No, that ain't me. You know, but um, I think because of um, a lot of times because of just this church and where we are, we call people by their titles out of as a mean of respect. That's all. That's how I see it. Now maybe somebody else sees it differently, but I see it as just pure, you know, respect. Okay. Yeah, well, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Uh, Elder Rodney, could, do you have something to say about that? No. Mm-mm. Elder Elder Rodney. <laughs> yeah, this is Elder Andrew speaking to Elder Rodney. You have anything to say about that, Elder Rodney? <laughs> I think I might. I, only thing I will say is I might be the youngest elder in the history of churches. So, <laughs> but nobody knows that uh, I have I'm, that I'm title. Not, I just, I'm just kind of, but I, I came from a church that these titles were, were that kind of thing, and it drove me absolutely nuts. And, well, okay. and it, it just, I guess it just rubs me kind of funny, that's all. That's the spirit of religion. Yeah. Absolutely. And, that, that and people get all crazy with it. Yeah, you know. yeah well, um, would you do it again, you though? Let them be. Well, Pastor Leonard, would you would you do it again if you if you known that all this came in the in the in the rap box and you knew what you do you knew now? I mean, I know you would probably say that, you know, I would be closer to her and date her a little while longer, but would you still marry into, because you're not only marrying uh, a person or a woman that's going to be a wife, you're also going to marry 
you're also marrying a, a responsibility that outranks your responsibility. Well, yeah, I, I would do it, but I would do it totally different. Totally different. I mean, when I was in a dating scene, you know, I just had, I guess like a lot of other brothers, well, some other brothers, you know, I looked for certain things, you know, I was, they always call me, oh, they go to Nard, the pretty boy, he always looking for them pretty girls, and that's that's just what I, that was just my taste, you know, and I didn't want anything that was heavy, no, uh don't even try me like that, and so that was just, that was just me, and so if I had to do it again, I, I, I believe I would, because I, I think our attraction was very spiritual, because where I was and where she was, so yeah, I would, I would. Okay, and, and, uh, now, Mr. Le, uh, Mr. What's your name, Len- Leonard? It, it's well, it's Leonard or Leonard. Okay, uh, Mr. All right, Mr. Leonard. Um, real quick, I think a lot of uh, a lot of the brothers on the call are married to women who are saved. Um, right. Considering your your wife is a woman of the cloth, right? Very in tune with her. Uh, spiritually with with the Lord, how how come she doesn't understand her role from a biblical perspective within marriage? Mm. Well, that's a great question. That's a great question. And I believe, and not to drag this into what you know into into a biblical study, but I believe you can you can wear a title, you can wear a title, and still there are areas in your life where that need growth. You know, and 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 I say today, you know, there are areas in my wife where she needs growth. You know, I, I heard uh, T.D. Jakes talks about, you know, you can have a great, great oratorical life, you know, but private, privately, you know, your your life is just it's it's not where it should be. And I think a lot of us can be like that. And and I say that today, because, and that's a great question, because you know. You know, I ask myself, you know, there are times when, you know, she should be where I think she should be, but it's not so. And those are things that i got to deal with as a man, as a husband, you know, to where I go, what I call stay or flee. But, yeah, you're but right, when, she should, but it doesn't happen. But when you talk to your wife and you tell, do you do you communicate this with her and say, hey, um, I need you to be more submissive. If you had that conversation with her, do you think that she would uh, listen to it or just say, you know, in, in what way, or do you think she would go against that grain? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think there would be a problem, uh, but some things just take a little bit more time than others because it's dealing with character. And, you know, and uh, when you're talking about a person's flaws, you know, that, you know, a lot of people look at it, well, that's your opinion, and, you know, that's just who I am. And sometimes you have to deal with that's just who I am. So when you say, hey, uh, you, you are un... Like, let's say, I'm not saying your wife, I'm just saying, let's say if the wife was un, not submissive, and you say, hey, you're not submissive in the bedroom, you're not submissive in public, you're not submissive at home, and you give her a breakdown all types of examples... It's not an opinion no longer. It's an actual fact because you showed them the examples that, you know, that you had where in situations where they're not submissive. Right, right. And then, and, but, then, and then both of you in the Bible, you actually can show her verses that, hey, does this look like he's submissive? And does he, you know? Right, right. 
I, I believe, and I've walked through it and I lived through it, that you can do all of the above, and the person, because of their character, still may or may, or may not submit to what should be, even though it's the word. They're going to twist it, and they're going to make it to it to where it benefits them. And I don't believe that. And that's not what the word says. And it's always going to be an issue. So we one, is, I, I'll go ahead, sir. One of the things I found, um, and my wife and I are in ministry also, okay. is that um, it's very, very difficult uh, for people, um, you know, pastors and what, to reach out and seek help in their marriage. Yeah. Um, yes. Very difficult. And they, they, they almost see it as a weakness to, to say, hey, we need some help. We need to sit down and, and try to work through things. It's almost like if they admit that they have a challenge in their marriage, then something's wrong with them in, in their ministry. And mm-hmm. they don't reach out, and they, they, they live lives of quiet desperation, mm. screaming because their marriage sucks, and they don't have any way to reach out because if we reach out and say, you know, we're getting some help, then people right. will look at us in a funny way. Absolutely. And many, many of the ministers in our church never attend anything that we put together because they don't want anybody to think that they're, they don't have the perfect marriage. Right, right. But people already think that, though, I mean, about pastors. It's like, you know, because I think the reality is that we all got problems in our marriage. I mean, like, exactly. you know, some, exactly. some more than others. So, right. you know, when I show up, you know, to do stuff marriage-related, I don't care who's looking because I got issues, and my wife got issues. So, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, you know, when it comes to that area, but, I mean, you're right, but when it comes to that but, area. But, but me, Randy, how many times have you seen the pastors attend the, the marriage event? Very few. Exactly. Mm. Wow. Does anybody have any other questions for Pastor Leonard or Elder? I mean, Mr. Leonard? I, I got a question to put out there. We've been talking about, and the, and the topic is, um, you know, what was it? Who who who'd you bring home? Guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? Um, what if your daughter brought another woman home? Or your son brought another man home. We have some problems. Hmm. Um, I don't, the only thing I could respond on that one is, is the word, you know, because that's what I live by. That's what I live, move, breathe, and have my existence around. And so if that's his lifestyle, then at some point, if he was totally rebellious, then I would have to release him and let God work on him. But so, would you put him out like the like the like the uh, parents of the uh, Asian woman that put her out because they weren't up to the standard? Uh, I don't think I may or may not because one of the things that I've always believed in and that's showing love, you know. You know, and it's a thin line between love and compromising. You know, I'm not going to compromise what I believe in, you know, but I'm going to also show agape love at the same time. So that's that's a good question. Uh, you know, that's a very good question. You know, Could you restate to... that, Andrew? Could you restate the question, Andrew? The question was, 
the, the topic is who who do you bring home? You know, who do you bring home? And what if you know if we we talk about different races? What if your daughter decided to bring a woman home and said, "This is who I want to marry," or your son brings a man home and says, "This is who I want to marry." Okay, well, Dan Drew, hold on, hold on. Before you answer that question, that brings me to my next guest. The, right. the, the question that you're asking, Andrew. Uh, my next guest, well, hey, hey, Darren. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let let him ask the question. Oh, okay. Wanna, I thought he. Had, I mean, okay, yeah. No, no. Let him ask the question. And let's get some some feedback on it. I think it's a yeah, pretty that, good question. That, that was my question. I think. I mean, we live in a world today. You know, when when we grew up, that wasn't that wasn't gonna happen. There was no such thing as quote unquote gay marriage. Right. Uh, well, we live in a different world today. I mean, right here in Maryland and in, in D.C., quote unquote. You know, gay marriage is okay. I mean, what if what if your daughter or your son brought home, you know, brought 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 you know, not an Asian home? And I don't think most men are not going to have a problem with who they, you know, if they bring an Asian woman home. But what if your son brought brought a dude home? Wow, wow. Do you want to try to answer that, Pastor Leonard, or because because uh, I, I mean. Wow, that's a really good one. But I think um, I would really have to sit down and have a one-on-one. I think one of the most important things for me is that I would have to uh, to go to the, I mean, go to the end with my son or daughter. With everything I believe in, and if it still didn't work, then I would be at the point of release. I'm going to release you. Whatever you do, it's on you, because I've done all that I can do. And whatever you do, that's that's on you. I'm not going to reject you or anything like that. I'm going to show you love. But that love will not be in my house. That love will not, you know, be a part of my life in any kind of way. But, you know, that's just how I feel about it. Can I, can I ask you a question real quick? And I'm going to hold it all up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. But, but not, and, and not to try to corner you, but we on this, this particular show. <laughs> why, would it be, why would it be that strict in regards to um, your son? And it would be based on biblical reasoning, and it's not that strict when it comes to your wife. Rebellion is as witchcraft. 
your wife is rebelling against what the word of God says. The Bible says homosexual homosexuality is an abomination. Rebellion is witchcraft. They're pretty pretty damn close. Well, if you if you look at rebellion, I mean, I guess you could call it rebellion. Um, How could you not call call it rebellion? Well, she's not coming in line with what the Word of God says. That's rebelling against the Word of God. Hmm. And, and Pastor, but, I'm not trying to put you in the spot, but no, no, I, I mean, I, I like being in the spot because it makes me grow, it makes me think. I mean, I can handle it. Uh, truly, I can. Yeah, I mean, just because I'm not answering right away doesn't mean I can't handle it. I mean, I, I mean, I invite <laughs> questions like that. Hi, right, Mr. Leonard. Can, can I uh-huh. give you? Can I give you? Can I give you a break? Can I just give you a break, real quick? Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let it, let it right, marinate I'm, on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm let you think about that one. I'm I'm gonna let you think about that one while I bring my next guest on. And as I said before, and I must reiterate, you know, we will show respect to all our guests on this show. Right. right I have I have my cousin. On the line, his name is DJ. He is a uh, open-minded homosexual, uh, and he is my cousin that I grew up with. His dad is my uncle, um, and and guess who he brought home to dinner? So mm. DJ, how are you? I would like to welcome you to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, Cuzo? How you doing, bro? Okay, man. Um, I just want to ask you, man, I commend you for coming to the show. Uh, and you see how hard these brothers are, and they're very respectful. Oh, it's all good. I, you, you know who I grew up with, so you know who raised yeah. me. So right. <laughs> it's all good. So, so, I, was, uh, born and raised, I was born and raised in the church, Seventh-day Adventist. So I don't know if you brothers know anything about Seventh-day Adventist and how uh, strict and regimented it is, but that's what I grew up, and that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. I'm, I'm something of a... Uh, a weird phenomenon, if you will. Yeah. Now, okay. uh, do you do you remember the first time that you were asked uh, that you was gay? Uh, yeah, my mom. You know, uh, my mom Jeanette. <laughs> uh, okay. She asked me, and I I thought about this the other night, um, and I remember it was twelve. I thought it was sixteen, but I was twelve years old when she first asked me. Um, she said, "You're one of my most weirdest." children, because I'm the oldest of four. It's two boys and two girls. Um, and so she asked me that, and I was, like, mortified. I thought I was going to melt. I literally wanted to just disappear because no one had ever asked me that before, and I had been struggling with the idea of what gay meant because I didn't really understand the word. I just always knew from the little boy that I was different. I didn't know really why I was different, and I thought I was being cursed because I was different. So, yeah, my mom was the one who asked me that, and uh, I lied and was like, no, no, and I, I literally kept – so then I went on this mission to, to try to prove that I was not gay to any and everybody I encountered, and that meant I walked different, that meant I talked different. I even stopped singing the high notes because I knew how embarrassed singing really – because I used to sing, sing quite well, actually, um, yeah. and I was ashamed to sing high notes because of how my father's expression would be when I hit those high notes and hit them wonderfully. So, yeah, it, it kind of uh, – made me change a little bit to prove everyone that I was not gay. <laughs> okay, so so you said your dad. Now, I know Uncle Duck, y'all lived in Tennessee. You came down 
uh, once a year, twice a year sometime. We always saw four obedient children and your uncle and, you know, uh, I mean, your dad, he was just strict, just strict, uh, militant type of minded guy, even though he hadn't spent one day in the military, but he was really strict. And, um, and I just wanted to know, uh, you had your father in the house, right? Yes, my father was uh, one of uh, one of one of uh, rarity even in my day because I'm 46 now. I was born, you know, I was born in 1968. Um, so I, t- I totally understand the black struggle, the African American struggle for equality. I totally understand that. And so my father would always make sure that we listened to Martin Luther King and listened to all of his sermons. I mean, it was inbred into us in terms of our being black and being prideful. And my dad was always home when when we saw, you know, uh, him. He was he did have a great impact on my life. So he wasn't a, a dad that abandoned his children. But that did not mean that he was uh, an emotionally present dad, if that makes any sense. So having an emotionally present dad is, or having an emotionally non-present dad that's, non-emotionally, that's not there emotionally is just like not having a dad at all And when it comes to certain, certain um, issues that you face in life, if that makes any sense. So, mm. so was he was he a dad, or did he act as a dad, or were you afraid um, to be a son? He did act as a dad, but he was a. Uh, now that I reflect back on my life, and now um, uh, my mom and dad have been together for forty two years. They did, they divorced at forty two, uh, forty two years of marriage. So I, I'm I'm saying this to say that it wasn't all that of a childhood growing up, but there were some definitely traumatic scenarios where because my dad was emotionally abusive. And he was physically abusive, even though he tried his best not to show the physical abuse in front of us, but between him and my mom. And then his yeah. physical abuse spell spilled over into how he raised us. Like, I got beat for silly things, or it, it, he suddenly slapped me across my face and knocked me over a couple of chairs, kind of abuse. And it, now that I know what I know, that's kind of how you do not raise your child. Um, Okay. I'm not saying that it was a very terrible childhood, but it really, really was tr- a lot of tra- tra- traumatic things going on because he was well in the church. He preached at different times and things of that nature. Well, wow. Was he homophobic? I know I know, Uncle Duck, he was a black belt in karate. You know, he was no-hose-barred, tough dude. Um, do you think that he was homophobic? Um, now that I know what I know, uh, he is homophobic, and he was homophobic. But at the time, I didn't know what that word meant. I didn't, that word wasn't even in my vocabulary. I just thought he hated me um, because – Why you thought he hated Well, because I, I don't know if you – and I don't mean to disrespect one of my favorite artists, Kevin Campbell. If, if any of the older guys remember the yeah. song, Person, oh, yeah. Kevin Campbell, oh, yeah. how kind of soft he was, I was that guy. I was, like, creative. I played the piano. I sang. I had no interest in basketball whatsoever. I had two left hands. I could. I, I had two left shoes when it came to playing basketball. I just and wasn't even interested in sports. So I think that sort of set him off in terms of being on this mission to make sure that I was not going to be gay. And we was not exposed to. My parents. What they they made sure that we didn't see any television shows that were iffy. The strongest television show that we watched. Growing up was the Cosby Show. We didn't watch nothing else other than closely monitored shows. They watched who we were around. They made sure that they always knew where we were. So, you know, there's in his mind, there's no reason I could not possibly turn out to be gay, but I did. So, <laughs> so, so when your dad, when your dad found out 
you was gay? How did he find out first? Well, he found out in one of the strangest ways. Um, I had gotten out of the military. I was four years in the Air Force. Um, I was supposed to be married to my fiance at the time. We were, she and I were together for like about six years. Um, all the while, I knew. I knew I was gay since I could first remember. I knew it was like the earliest recollection of me being five. But to get more to your question, he found out when he called me. I had got out of the Air Force and I moved to New York. Um, and I had my personal reasons for moving to New York, but my father figured it out. He was like, you moved up there to be with them faggots. That's the first thing he said. And I was like, no, 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 that's not why I moved here. Knowing that I was, that was part truth and part not truth, if that makes any sense. Part of it was because I wanted to be a singer. I don't care. You remember, I wanted to, I was singing right. all through growing up, and I had a quite really, really good voice. So part of the reason right. was, yeah, I wanted to find out if there were other men that were like me because I thought I was the only black person that was gay. That's how sheltered of a life my father sheltered me from, that I, I thought I was the only black gay person alive. And even then, I still didn't admit that I was gay because it took me until 32 before I admitted that I was gay. So imagine 23 all the way to 32 still being in denial and still struggling with it. But he found out when he called me one day. I was at work in New York. I just got my first New York job, making a lot of money. And I said something that was borderline that was, I guess, caused him to react really horribly to me. And I had just met my first set of gay friends, and I started talking like him. I was impressionable at the time, a little bit anyways, and I said something about, I made the expression like, child, I'm so tired. What I say that to my father for, he went off on me on the phone. And I don't normally talk like that. I don't talk like that now, but at the time I was, you know, still kind of impressionable, and I just met him met some gay people that I'd never met before. So I, there was a whole gay lingo at the time, you know, back in the 90s, <laughs> if you will. And so that sure. set them off. And at the time, I thought I was bisexual. At least I was trying to be bisexual because I still didn't want to admit I was gay because I still was ashamed of it. I was, you know, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but <laughs> there you have it. No, I mean, because I, I, I think that, you know, once he found out, I don't know if he disowned you or did you just feel uncomfortable coming around? Because you kind of disappeared for a minute. I disappeared for like 13 years. I disappeared for 13 years. Well, the first thing he did was blame my mom, and he was going to divorce her then. In the the 90s, he was going to divorce her then because he was like, you made my son gay. And then secondly, um, the privacy of it, my father was going to actually bought tickets to come to New York to kill me. I got wind of the fact that he was coming to get rid of me, off me. And and I don't know anybody yeah, knows heard, my father. When he says something, he makes yeah, yeah, it happen. Playing. That's my dad. So he was going to kill me. So I disappeared, <laughs> number one. Um, I, I got off the grid, if, that, if, if you will. And then number two, I was also horrified at the fact that he wanted me dead because a lot of me still looked up to him at that time. A lot of me wanted him to approve of just me, period. Not approve of me being gay, but just approve of me, period, because my father never really approved of of, of me as being um, a quality son because he kept always making references to my other cousins. Why come you can't be more like Maurice? Why come you can't be more like your other cousins? And why come you won't play basketball? Other things like that. And I went through that all my life, all my life, all my life, dealing with the fact that I always letting him down. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I thought you was, I thought you was cool as dude because you already you had all the girls, and I just wanted some of them. You know, I just wanted some of them girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did like, have a lot of girls after me, I, and I, I. But the funny thing I, is how I met my first fiance, Lisa. I met her in Spanish class, and it took me a year to get her because number one, I was real skinny. 
she thought I was cute, but she was like, you're too cute. You're too pretty to be straight. That's her first thought. So, again, it struck another chord in me to, like, try to prove that I was gay, so to speak. I don't want to ask for all the questions. Y'all, y'all can ask some questions, too, because, you know. Yeah. yeah, this is Paul. Hey, DJ. Yes, I'm here. Hey, DJ, this is yeah, Paul, yeah. man. And um, when Dan told me about the show, I'll be honest, man, when he um, mentioned someone gay on the end of the show, I, I kind of hesitated. But, uh, Dan, I want to thank you for doing this show, and I'm, I'm glad to be listening and hearing this because something that has to be talked about and dealt with. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a son who's struggling with his identity right now. Mm-hmm. I love him. I accept him. And I don't know if he's going through what you're going through right now, DJ, if he's afraid to tell me. But I've approved of my son, uh, his accomplishments, different things he's done, and I already told him, just let me know one way or the other. I don't want to find out through a third party or whatever. I love you and respect you for who you are, son. Just tell me. So my question for you, DJ, is the age-old question, did you make the choice or were you born that way, and what do you feel about that? Oh, that's an amazing question, actually. Um, I'm going to preface that question by saying, first of all, I don't fit the norms of what society thinks a a gay male should be because I'm not feminine. I don't walk around with a purse. I don't want to be a woman. Um, I'm going to also preface that question, um, making a disclaimer to say I just do not fit the norms because, number one, I'm a very powerful-minded individual. Um, I'm respectful. Uh, If I see an old lady crossing the street, I help her cross the street. Um, I work hard. Uh, I believe in my manhood as a man. What makes my manhood is the fact that I honor my word, is the fact that I believe in God and I trust in God. But my idea of God may be different from most people. But more to your question, um, I remember at age five when I first became conscious of the fact that I could think things. And I remember the attraction I had. It was a little guy on my street named David. And I was always attracted to David, didn't understand why. I would actually bully him and beat him up just so I could touch him and talk to him, if that makes any sense. So I was the little bully, you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I haven't seen David in in years. I don't know where he is, but that's how it all started for me because I just had a natural attraction. And, again, I didn't see any TV shows that that had any gay things on it because, again, this was the 60s I grew up in, 68 to 70s. So, we didn't see any of that on TV because my parents, I lived a sheltered life. But when I fantasize about sex, as some 10 and 11, 12-year-old boys do, it was always with what, what, how would it be with a guy? And it baffled me because I would hear church, you know, church sermons talking against just the very thing, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I challenge anybody that has a son – to, to just think about that for a second. I would never choose this in a million years because, number one, of what I went through with my dad. Number two, with how society used to think about it, they're more accepting of it now. But in, in my era growing up, it was a no-no for society, especially for black American, African-American people. So I would not have made this a choice. And I try to let people know, uh, like, I'm left-handed. I write with my left hand. When I was growing up, it was wrong to write with your left hand. My teacher taught me to write with my right hand, but the pencil never would write right. She couldn't read what I wrote. So I, I tell anybody, hey, I, I, I didn't choose to write with my left hand just like I didn't choose who I'm attracted to. Um, and mm. I did my person, not to talk on and on and on, but I have to get this out. What made me get to the point of inner peace 
and make peace with my sexuality as it is different from a lifestyle. Sexuality is not the same thing as a lifestyle, okay? And once you start from there, then then I, I challenge anyone to rethink things about choices versus natural attraction. And more to that point, I did my research. I started finding out, well, what um, what ties me in with a, all the other homosexuals out there in the world? Well, scientists have discovered, not just one scientist on, 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 on in France or one scientist in America, a culmination of them have discovered that um, there are genes associated with homosexuality and uh, the fact that it's not a choice of us to be homosexual because it's been around since the dawn of time. Um, mm-hmm. And the research also stands for, you know, 40% of, um, of, of uh, I don't want to interpret this the wrong way, but sexual orientation has nothing to do with choice. And a lot of these uh, psychiatrists and, and scientists have discovered that, hey, this is really not a choice. So I just I, I ask anyone out there to just to figure out what the X chromosome is and the XQ28 chromosome and how that affects um, males when they're in the woman's womb and they're being conceived and they're being born and the different proteins that have a lot to do with what causes men to be attracted to either sex. So sure, that's, sure. that's my answer. <laughs> well, 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 I've got a question. How do you jive that with what the Bible says? Well, that's an awesome question because I was raised to believe the King James Version of the Bible. And in the King James Version, I'm going to hell and I'm going to burn for fire and eternal damnation. Well, that struck me because guess what? I struggled with suicide for a long, 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 long time because I was like, well, if I'm gay and I can't get rid of it, I'm, I might as well just kill myself because I, I, I'm not going to heaven anyway. But the second part of the problem is um, in terms of the biblical pers- perspective, the King James perspective, um, I thought about it for a second. Well, who wrote this? Did God write this himself, or was this some scholar writing the Bible? I started researching, well, how was the Bible made? Who made the Bible? Then I discovered there were books that came before the Bible. Then I discovered that the Bible was translated, and there were mistranslations. I also discovered that there's a Kabbalah, there's a Quran. Is, does, does that mean that all the other um, tribes in this world, because they're not Christian, are they going to hell? So I start going on my personal quest to figure out how I could exist on this planet with what I thought was the king, was was my Bible. Not that I don't believe in the Bible. Don't don't take my my words out of out of context. But hey, somebody hold on, hold on. DJ. Someone got a fan, somebody got a fan on? Can they turn their fan on? Because it's, it's kind of uh, okay. No one, we don't have anything on here though. No, no, no. I'm just talking about somebody else that's listening. Okay, go ahead, DJ. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. So once I start doing my own research, I found out the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I found out what the word Sodom was. Sodom wasn't even. <laughs> it had nothing to do with sodomy. Sodom. Um, is a definition for burnt, burnt city, four cities that were going to be burned, um, and the gays weren't even let into the city because of their, each city had a gatekeeper. So I started doing my biblical research on so many areas and so many facets of, of different stories, and I, I realized, hey, you know what? What connection do I have with God myself and start from there? Because for a long time, I, I, I was angry at God. I was like, why would you allow me to be this way? Why would you take this away from me? So that's my challenge to say, hey, to anyone that has an issue with the biblical writings, to just do, do your research, number one, or have your own connection with God. And so for me and how I feel now is that 
um, I have a connection with God because he saved me. He saved me from suicide. He saved me from a lot of the turmoil that I found myself in as a result of being emotionally abandoned. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a victim. I'm not blaming my father for not um, uh, being a me emotionally since I was growing up, but it set the stage for a lot of terrible stuff that happened in my life because he would have kicked me out of the house. But he kicked yeah, me out and of the house. He didn't want me to talk to my mom. He, you know, whenever I call, he got the phone. He wouldn't let my mama answer the phone. So that was a horrible situation to have to go through. So I, you know, but anyway. <laughs> no, can, that's, I that, that's what, can, I, can I drop a monthly Can I drop a monthly please? Go ahead. And, and thank you, uh, DJ, for sharing and being on. Like the brother Paul said, you know, this is uh, timely, and I think it's uh, no coincidence that you're here. But um, I'm going to warn you that my next question is very personal. Oh, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, and my question is, are you celibate or do you sleep with a man or men? Well, I have a partner. I have a life mate. So sleeping with a man is uh, that, that, that my first time ever with a man was 20, uh, 24. I was a virgin at, at 22. But my first experience was with a woman. It was an amazing experience, but I still knew that I was not attracted to her. I still on, knew that on, I was attracted to men. Hold on. Rodney, what kind of question is that? Really? Yeah, I, I haven't finished my question. I have a partner, so, um, okay, you know, okay, my, my wait, partner, I've been together for you. So. And, and let, me, let me ask my question because I, I, that was not – that was part that A was of my – That was a question, though, but that was a question. No, it, it was, it was. And well, what's it was, part B? I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah, here, yeah, here, yeah. Part B is, here. here's the monkey wrench. Here's the monkey wrench. Uh, part B is the monkey wrench. And, you know, you talk about your relationship with God, and the monkey wrench I want to ask is that, say there's a person that's, uh, a man that's just like you, but, you know, and struggles with his identity and the like, but he chooses to be celibate. Do you think that God views that man that struggles with homosexuality that chooses to be celibate versus you who chooses to, I guess, you know, have a partner and do those things. Do you see, do you think that, you know, God will look at those two men differently? Well, I got two answers for you. I know you only asked one Well, question part A and part B. So I have two answers to part B. Part two, my, my answer to that is no, God doesn't do that differently because a man thinks so is he. Is that I don't know if I'm saying it right. If you that's think right. a thing, you are the thing you think, and that's mm-hmm. that, that's a that's a powerful thing. What you are, what you think. Um, mm-hmm. And so the second part to that is, um, and, and I challenge you with this: every African American male, every man that may have issues with homosexuality, and I respect people's issues. I respect your view. I, I can't here and say, oh, your view is wrong, I would never give you that kind of argument. But what I will say is, are you in charge of choosing how my connection with my God is? Are you part, or, or can you tell me my connection with God? Because can't no one walk my shoes with me. Can't no one tell sure. me when I was about to jump in the train station in New York about four years ago and in my life because it was going spiraling out of control. But when I had my angels present themselves and when God speaks to me and the music comes on in my mind about if you want to live, because that's what God told me. If you want to live, I'll show you how to live. And since that time, the inner peace that has come of me has been, 
I'm not fighting about my sexuality anymore. I'm not fighting about my attraction anymore. I'm not doing that. But what I'm going to do is follow my spirit. And my spirit leads me to the point where I'm at peace with, with where I'm at because I didn't ask for it. And that doesn't make it right or wrong, though. But at the same time, um, the, the saving thing for me is can no one on this earth tell me what my connection with my God is? It doesn't mean that my God isn't your God. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying, my connection I, I don't doubt that for a moment. And it's when – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just have a question uh, because what you're saying is that the translation of the Bible is incorrect. Um, and but there are many versions I, of the Bible. That's the thing, though. There are many versions. The Bible, King James Version versus this version, there are so many versions of the Bible. And then number two, there are other books that were – the Bible was even written back in the, back in the, the, the time of Moses was, was walking. The Bible wasn't written. Well, there were other I'm books. Not, there were I'm other not debating that with you. I, I, I've hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I'm not debating different versions of the Bible with you. I've done a lot of Bible study. I'm in seminary. I understand that. My question is, um, and I'm not saying who who you're attracted to or not, Rodney asked a really good question. Um, There are men today that are attracted to children, and I'm not equating homosexuality to children. I'm saying that. That there are men that That's are attracted perversion. to children. No, no, no. There are men that are attracted to children that say, I can't help who I'm attracted to. But whether I act on that or not is a different ballgame. That was the question that Rodney asked. Is, is, is that, am I hitting that right, Rodney? Yeah, exactly. Nail okay. So I'm not, I'm not saying the same. There, there, there are men who are attracted to, to, to chimpanzees. And but it's not the and, same as sexuality. Being attracted to a child is not a sexuality. There's homosexuality, there's that are sexually attracted to children. But that's not okay, a sexuality. Today it's not, but who knows where we'll be 30 years from now, okay? But right now, I'm for 46 When I grew up, there was no such thing as men marrying men and women marrying women, and we could say that's not. Same for me, though. Okay. I, so I, what I'm, I'm, I'm saying is, I'm, I'm just trying to clarify the question that Rodney answered, okay. that asked when he said was, there are people today, there's, there's a whole, uh, a whole uh, uh, movement, Mambler, um, man attracted to, to young, young boys. And they say, I can't help who I'm attracted to. Okay? Now, I'm not saying whether you can or not. All I'm saying is, and the question that Rodney asked is, is there a difference between being attracted to who you can't help who you're attracted to? And I'm not, I don't know. I don't have that challenge. Um, is there a difference between that and acting upon that? Okay, so can I make, is, it, make is, the is best answer I can to that? Rodney, Rodney yeah. is that the so question you're trying to ask? Yes. No, that's not. Rodney, come on, man. One thing has well, nothing to do let, with you. Let me address the new question that's on the table now because here's the thing. I'm appalled that there that there isn't even a movement for men that's attracted to little kids, because it, let me just explain it from the the basis, the the, the, the bottom, the, the, as blunt as I can. There is three sexualities: homosexuality, bisexuality, and heterosexuality. There's no sexuality 
has nothing to do with being attracted to kids. That is not a sexuality. Sexuality is not by choice. Sexuality comes from natural selection. Being attracted to a child is not a sexuality. That is something you can't compare the two because it's not well, a sexuality. It's well, not me, a sexuality. Being attracted to a child is horrible on so many levels, and it cannot be compared to the same thing as not – it's just not the same. You can't, there's no way to make that correlation. Well, let me let me let me throw it. Let me throw it. Let me let me throw it. There's no sexuality talks about a man sleeping with a little child because that's that's just that. DJ, let me let me throw you let me let me throw it at you another way. Let me throw it at you another way, and I'll talk about me. I'm attracted to beautiful women of all races, as someone said earlier. Okay. Amen. And and a lot of brothers are so beautiful women. You know, hey. I'm attracted to all of them. If they're beautiful, they're bad, they're fat, I'm attracted to them. But are you attracted to little children? I I hope not. I'm not either. I've never been attracted to a child. We're past that. I'm talking about women. And what I'm saying is that. Oh, okay. My bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, what I'm saying is that I'm attracted to beautiful women. Now, my wife is a beautiful woman. Now, in the sense that I'm attracted to beautiful women, but I'm faithful to my wife. So... Does it make a difference that I don't act on my attraction towards beautiful women or not? Well, are you celibate? Do you not have sex with a woman? Have you chose to not have sex at all? No, I, I have that's sex with You're my asking wife. someone that's gay. You're asking me no. to, to not satisfy my sexual desires. I'm just, I'm not saying you yes. per se, but I'm just saying in general. Sure, but I'm saying talk that, about my, that all the time. My, my sexual desires would be to sleep with all the beautiful women out here. That's my sexual desire. But I'm, what oh. I'm saying is that I choose to I choose to only sleep with my wife. But you don't have sex with her. Yeah. Sure, sure. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, being that I'm homosexual, that's just like now I, I want to explain this, and this is going to sound a little weird because I was struggling with my sexual identity, even though I knew what it was from the Jump Street, from the earliest time of remembering. I struggle with trying to see with every man out, that was out there because I was looking for gratification. I was looking for the love in another man I could not get from my father. But guess what that got me? That got me a world of of sorrow and, and, and not being grounded and not being connected to God because I was not practicing responsible sex. I was not practicing uh, guarding my temple because I believe my body is a temple. Every person's body should be their temple, and I wasn't respecting the temple that God gave me. So that's the difference. So I make the decision to not sleep around and be promiscuous because guess what? I always wanted a life partner, whether it was a man or a woman. I just knew that I was always attracted to men, even though I tried to live according to what my mom and dad taught me, is to find me a wife and settle down. But I was never attracted to a woman. Now, I tried to live by what they taught me, and that didn't quite work out for me. Mm. Hey, DJ, right, uh, Darren. Yes, sir. Um, and to, to the crew, the brothers, uh, the struggle is one of the sad things I see in the church, unfortunately, is it's almost like it's okay to be a promiscuous heterosexual over a uh, homosexual. And I'm well not, said. I'm, not, I'm yep. not saying, you know, I'm not saying I'm pro-gay or whatever, but I think it's sad sometimes where I see brothers bragging about how many women they didn't slept around with and then they go and dog and condemn a gay person. That has hurt the church a lot, you know. And I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth. But we have to 
have some type of compassion or understanding uh, for our brothers. I know that's a movement also, DJ, called Exodus, for people who have come out of a gay lifestyle. And I get mm-hmm. confused because sometimes men, married men come out of a marriage and all of a sudden go to being gay. And, and women, one of my friends lost his wife, they're lesbian. I mean, that just got me so... Oh, it's out there. I can kind of shed some light on that, if you will. Uh, not that yeah. my, I'm not saying, and, I, and I'll say this again, I'm not saying that my truth can be anybody else's truth. I'm not saying that. I just, I'm only saying the things I, I'm saying is to make African-American men think twice before they make that judgment. I'm only saying what I'm saying to make preachers and pastors think twice before they say what they say. My thing is, do the research. When you encounter a gay male, don't automatically assume he chose to be gay or automatically assume that he wants to sleep around. But here's the thing. There's a DL guy, a DL for a DL, down low, okay? And let me tell you how down low got started because folks like myself sit in church on every Sunday, and I, for me every Saturday because I was born in Adventist, and you hear sermons condemning the homosexual to hell. And that right there sends someone who is struggling with their sexuality into underground um, I can t- living in New York for 15, 20 years as I've lived. Do you know how many married men go down to the little freak spot that's there on the on one of the train stops or one of the parks? And these men are quote unquote. If you ask them, they would kill you if they if you thought they were not straight. But these straight men, quote unquote straight men that have wives that they claim they love, are going to these parks and sleeping with these other men because. They have attractions to men, and they fall short of not being faithful to their wives, and they succumb to their desire to be with another man. That has been going on since the dawn of time. But no one in the black church wants to speak about that. No one in the black church wants to speak about these same preachers who are here preaching these sermons, uh, condemning gays to hell, and yet they're sleeping with some of the men in the, in the, in, in, in the pulpit, even the priests that are here that are ordained. So I, I don't understand that. Where do, where, do you think the, where do you think the root of that is? That's my question for you. Do you think, I think the, root the root of it is in, wait, 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 let me finish. Let me finish asking the oh, question. Oh, sorry. I apologize. Do you feel, I apologize. That's okay. Do you feel the root is in um, the error with the Bible and God, or do you think the root is in the problem with men, or when I say men, I mean man, and, and the fallen state that, that we find ourselves in? Well, it's it's a it's a duality for me. Um, if you were to ask me, and this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to your answer. If you were to ask me if I had a child, would I want my child to be gay? I'm gonna say no because I don't want them to go through the struggles I went through. I'm gonna say no because of how I was raised, and I know that poses a lot of aggravation for other gays and, that I come across because they don't understand how I think. But I also have to take it back to there was Adam and Eve. And from Adam and Eve, how did, how did the earth get populated? How did the earth get populated? I also challenge people to say, hey, who wrote the Bible? Was it man writing the Bible? I know that the Bible is divinely inspired, and there, it's a useful tool to use. It's an amazing tool to use. But some of us take it too literally, and some of us don't do our research to find out what went into the Bible. Like the King James Version of the Bible, does anybody know what King James stood for? He was not an upstanding individual. So that's why I started studying Buddhism. That's why I started studying um, Taoism, to make some sort of sense of my sense of humanity and my, my connection with God. And I realized that, you know what, I'm a Christian, yes. 
I believe in Christ. I believe Jesus saves souls, and he, he's got my back when I need him. But when I thought about the actual, ask anyone, what verse in the Bible says that I'm going to go to hell because I'm homosexuality? And no one has been able to point that verse out. No one has been able to tell me, did God write that verse himself? No one has been able to tell me that. And then I want to interject something on that. First of all, um, when you're pulling that out of context, uh, first of all, the King James is a translation of the Bible. Okay? And oh, no, I recognize all, that, so I apologize okay, for my wait, 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 No, 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 I just want to... <laughs> um, it's a translation. It's a translation, yes, it uh, <laughs> and if you, if you dig into the original text of the Bible, um, you, you'll find what you're, what you're talking about, but when, when, when you say that the Bible was written by man and it was changed, then you, you, start to, you start to question the veracity of the Bible. Either the Bible is the word of God or it's not. Okay, can I say Andrew, hold on. Andrew, please. It's not Bible study. Let's get off okay. the Bible. All right. Because okay. I'm pretty sure <laughs> there's things everybody on this call did at some point today that's against the word of God. Every. Every one of us, even what Rodney said, he wants to sleep with all these women, but he's sleeping with one. But but he he, 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 he in his mind, in his mind, he wants to sleep with all these women. Eating too much food is against the Bible. Is 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 in his But he made statements that are not in so many people. I understand that. So what we're gonna do is we go we're gonna be that. Is this is not Bible study? Because it's I understand that. But when you make when you make statements that are out of context, when you say that if you're homosexual, that's you're going to hell, that's not what the Bible says. Okay, but that's but what that so many okay. people translated into that being. That's what so many make the understanding Okay. All right. Well, we'll just let it stand. But that's not that that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not single out homosexuals. It talks about liars. It talks about thieves. It talks about gossipers. It talks about all that. Okay, it talks about sin. If you have sin and and you stand before God, you will go to hell. That's what the Bible says. And it doesn't, it does not, it does not specify that this is the sin. The problem that we have in the Christian church is we make this sin the sin. Right. Ah, okay, well said. That sin is sin and it's against God. To, yeah. and, and to twist it and say, the Bible doesn't mean this and that, that's not true. And it's just so hard for me to stand here and, and, and be okay with that. Okay, I, I respect that 110%. I, I get what you're saying totally. That was not my intention to put that out there, but I'm saying my observation of when I was raised in the church, that's all I got from it. Every time I, I, under, in church. I understand it fully because, you know what, there are, quote, unquote, you know, special sins. That are just so over the top that that's it. And that's the right. problem that we don't understand with God. Sin is sin. And one sin will take you to hell. I don't care what it is. Right. If you haven't washed in the blood of Christ. And when you start to say that the Bible is wrong, everything in me can't deal with that. Right. I know it's not Bible study, Tony, but I just can't let that just go. I got you. totally understood. Well, I read my Bible, and I and, and I don't mean to make a misunderstanding, and I'm, I don't want I don't I will get back on track. Um, so for yeah, me, yeah. I'm a Christian. I believe in 
I believe in what I believe in, and I recognize the Bible is is meant for a purpose, and I don't want to take that purpose away from either myself because the Psalms keep me going, and I knew I was going to lose my life. So I'm still here. Yep. So I know I believe yes, in sir. something that's higher than myself, and I know God's got Amen. my back, and he always has. So. Okay, I, Hold on, hold on. Let 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 somebody else get in with a with a comment. Malcolm, is that you want to talk? Yeah, and and, and I'm kind of I'm kind of torn between the two because I I really believe the only argument that one human being can make against homosexuality is the biblical argument. So how can you how can you not include the Bible in a gay discussion, trying to call it wrong? What? I'm saying, I'm saying how can you not include the Bible? Like, the only issue that, I mean, we're all born individuals. How can a person have a problem with homosexuality except for the, except for it's, it's from the Bible? Because we're all individuals. Where do I care who DJ is sleeping with? Except for, yeah, except for the, except for what's in the Bible. So how can you, my question is, how can you leave the Bible out of this discussion? The Bible should never be in this discussion because we said there's no Bible study. So when you bring the Bible into discussion, then you've got to shine a light on your, your situation as well and not just his. You see what I'm saying? We want to get on here and say we're going to stand one thing and say he's going to hell because of his sexuality. But we can't talk about the things that we're going to go to hell for. So it's a conflict. That's why we keep the Bible out of it, because everybody's got their own interpretation of what it is. And well, can't, all you point, can't you just point out that conflict and just maybe make it okay? But, I mean, because why, no, why would a heterosexual – I mean, why, why would any of us care that he's gay except for what we think God said? And my conflict well, is, yeah, I didn't ask to be gay. My conflict is, ever since okay, I can remember, I was oh, always gay. We can't, we can't hear everybody. We can't hear everybody. I kind of like, like Tony say, let's get back, let's let's get back, focus on, 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 on what we, what the matter is. And I think the matter is that the, the show is gearing fathers. Like you know, a lot of us, we asked the pastor earlier, hey, what if your son brought home another man? We asked him that. He was, I mean, he didn't know. He did I mean, he, he didn't. He, he should, should be through answer. marinating it on. He should be through marinating right. on it. Right, right. He, should, <laughs> he, should, he should be finished marinating on it, but, but that's a serious, that's hey, a serious question. That, that, that's true because that's, 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 the, that's the, the two sides of it because the Bible says that, that, that you know, women should do this and, and they shouldn't be this, and that's okay, but, but bring a gay home is not. Okay, but hold on, so, Andrew, hold on a second. So hold on a second. Hold on. Where's the difference with that? In other words, okay, that's what I'm no. saying about picking out our sins. Okay, See, well, no listen, 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 listen. Than another. You, 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 listen, listen, you, you, guys, you, you missed the point. You, you missed the it? point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to move away from, Tony, Andrew, is the, the actual fact that it's here. The... The people that want, that live alternative lifestyles is here. The people that marry Japanese women and outside of white and black is here. Now, it's a way that we have to deal with it. How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to prevent it? I believe if my uncle would have uh, spoke to his son, and DJ backed me up if I'm wrong, I believe if my uncle would have been a, a father to him, he would have entertained being with a woman more so 
than going on his own and trying to figure out struggling with what he really feels like inside. Now, do you can agree you with me? Can you explain that? Meaning, meaning now I'm, I'm only saying that if his father would have been there, if his father, father would have been, been there for him emotionally, he wouldn't have turned to men. I think that he would have entertained it instead of rebelling the, the, totally against. I mean, no, yeah, I'm gonna let, I, I agree with that, Darren. I know it's a tough thing for my partner to hear, but I, I have a feeling that if my father had not acted the way he acted, and I was out of the house then. I, I wouldn't bring nobody home when I was at home because I was not allowed to date. I had to sneak and date the girlfriend I found. And I only found the girlfriend because I thought that was the right thing to do, even though I didn't want the girlfriend because I wanted to be with a guy. So mm-hmm. the dilemma for me was if he had been there for emotionally, the bump, the ride in my adult lifehood would have been less bumpy. It would have been not filled with suicide. It would have not been filled with, with uh, all the stuff I had to deal with. I'm not blaming my father. Don't get it twisted because I know I have to take accountability for where my, my mind is at right now. And I have to take accountability for me being at peace with myself and having uh, a strong foundation with which I think. Uh, oh, if, if your father, if your father was more loving, would it have been filled with? Do you think your life would have still been filled with homosexuality? I don't think he can see that. that that's the dilemma for me. I went on this research for myself to figure out why these thoughts are here because I didn't know where they came from, and I didn't ask to be gay. I I, I tried everything to get rid of it. I prayed. I did all kind of stuff. I went to, even in New York, I went to this, and I, I'm, I'm surprised I'm saying this, Darren. I went to this one African lady who could work roots, and that didn't work because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I should be happy with where I'm at now. If it's my mm-hmm. destiny to be homosexual because I didn't ask for it, then I need to just step out of God's way and let him do what he wants me to do. I know that strikes a lot of people wrong, but it is what it is. Okay, but okay, now well, DJ, know, check it out. Check yeah. it out. Okay, uh, the reason why I said that, what I said about your dad, is because a lot of us are absentee fathers. Uh, we have Paul on the line, and his son is going through similar situations that DJ went through as a child. Okay, now, in 2013, the homeless in America was 199,690 people, okay, which included underage teens from the age of 11 to 16 and up, 40% of them was lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, all that other stuff. Now, my question is, you know, because we, we already stated that, you know, we, somebody said they'll kick their kid out, okay? Somebody, the, the woman got kicked out of her house, disowned and everything else. Now, do you think And that I would have got kicked out. My dad would have kicked me out. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think you would have kicked you out you found out? Let me tell you what happens, and, and, I, and I stand firm in this. Because of my living in New York for so many years, I encountered homeless teens by the hundreds. And guess what they do when they get checked out of their parents' home at 16, 17, and 18, and 15, and 10, and 12? They resort to prostitution. They're out there. The corporate America men, white and black, prostitutes them. And that's sad and that's scary. Because these teens have nowhere to go. They're trying to make it on their own. So there are predators out there who prey against these types of teens. Even these young boys that are not, they don't even, that are not even gay or homosexual. Do you know they do homosexual acts just to make a dollar? So mm-hmm. no. Kicking your mm-hmm. son out, not helping, not being there for your son, whether you agree with his homosexuality or not, I'm sorry. It, 
creates a world. And if, if there's 100,000, I'm oh, sorry, 200,000 people out there that are underage that are on the street, 40% of them are, are homosexual, think of that. That is, that is right. a horrible statistic. It's not something that I or Darren are coming up with. It's out there. So, and think so about the diseases that come from prostitution. All right, hold on, DJ. Tony, Tony got a question for you, DJ. Hold on a second. Tony. Yeah. Now, 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 there are a lot of times when on this show we talk about women that um, are fast women. We talked about the women that work in the strip clubs and the women that get turned out or the women that some of us are just going to call a hoe. And the one question that we ask when trying to figure out how they got that way was what, what was their relationship with their father. Right, Rodney? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's if it's if it's good, if the relationship with the father is absent, is it something that it would be gender specific? Can it be him as well as her? I'm it's, thinking it's I'm not gender specific. I'm here to tell you, it's not gender specific. Exactly. It is not gender specific. Exactly. So so why are we so impressed with the fact that oh. Is your, did you the way that you your sexuality is has something to do with your father? When we accept it, when it when it when it's a woman that that turns the wrong direction. I the reason why I am so on this topic is a woman. A, no one can take a woman's womanhood, but a man can get his manhood taken and. Hold on, let me, whoa, let, me, whoa. let me finish. What, what, what are you saying? Because I, 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 I was saying this, the reason why I'm saying that is because the father looks at his son a different way than he looks at his daughter. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, that's just, just this real talk. He yeah. wants his son to carry on his name. And, and he wants his son to have children that's going to carry on that name and so on and so He wants to leave a legacy. And How did the earth get populated? How did the earth get populated? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I got all that. I got all that. But what I'm saying is this is why it's so important for the father. I mean, because his dad wanted to kill him. Now, I, I'm quite sure if his daughter was like, hey, dad, I'm, I'm this or I'm that or I'm a hoe, they're like, hey, look, you're going to have to get yourself together. You can't just go around just letting any man go up inside you. But when your, so, your son go out there and do that. We can't be naive. Darren, Darren, we can't be naive. A woman gets turned out. She's turned out. She may be wearing a, wear, a, a dress one day and Jordans the next day. You feel okay. what I'm saying? And that okay. same woman is going to be in that homeless statistic that he's talking about because the That's father's true. going to say, well, you coming home with another woman? No, I wanted you to marry the dude across the street. I had plans for you, and you ruined these plans now with your sexuality. No, you got to go too. And now she's out there being a prostitute, having these, doing these sexual favors to get money with men and women. It's the same thing. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm, but but particularly we we're talking about how it affects the father in a way because because I'm asking this question because DJ is in a relationship, okay? Sure, right. My question to him, he don't have any biological children, and my mm. question is, mm. are you planning on with your partner having children? Um, well, we, we're, we're actually discussing that now. Um, do I want it to be biological? Because we have choices to make it biological, and we have choices to adopt. Um, and so the one answer to that, which I think 
It has really, 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 I also want to ask heterosexual people the same thing. When you want to bring a child into this world, are you emotionally capable of raising a child and not causing that child a world of misery? So my answer to that is, yes, we want children, but are we emotionally ready to raise the child in the right way? Are we emotionally ready to raise the child so we don't have our emotional issues subjected onto the child? Because the way I was raised, I got my father's bipolar tendencies. My father was bipolar and my father was abusive. And so guess what? I became abusive emotionally and physically, and I had to unlearn that as an adult. And now I'm not emotionally abusive to anyone. I, my mate that I'm with now has been the first mate I've ever had, this first real relationship I've ever had outside of my first fiancé. But my, my okay, point so- is, is, am I ready to raise a child in this world and not subject that child to my emotional deficiencies and my lack of love. Because that's what my dad did. He, he gave me lack of love. He abused our family. He abused my mom. He cheated on my mom the whole 42 years of marriage. He lied to all of us. And then not only that, when she divorced him, when she divorced my father, the thing that he did was try to make sure she could die with nothing. So my thing is, if you want to bring a child into this world, bring a child into this world and not have emotional trauma and pass it on to your children. So I don't know. Mm. That's, that's my answer. Mm. Okay, so 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 it it doesn't because I want to. You say you you you're not ready to have a child and bring this child into the world based off the way the world is and based on the way that what your dad passed on to you. Is that your answer? Right, and I need we need to, as a couple we need to be prepared to raise that child if it's going to be adopted child or not. Because I'm not, I don't want to subject my child to sexuality or not sexuality. I can't raise my child's sexuality. But what I can do is instill into our children the right way to live in terms of taking care of others, saving your money, have a connection with God. Those are the things that gay couples, some of us, want to pass on to children. So nothing to do with sexuality. It all has to do with living a right life as best you can and uh, uh, passing goodness into the world putting out your okay. spirit, connecting your spirit with God. So that's where we come from in terms of... Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, one at a time, please. I think Classy wants to say something. Go ahead, Classy. Can I just uh, give you a quick applause on, on, on one thing? I've been 40 years on the planet, and that's the first time I've heard somebody from the uh, uh, LBG thought process that said they, they didn't want to raise their children in any sexual type of way. I'm not saying it doesn't go on. I'm saying that's the first time I've ever heard it, so I applaud that. But go ahead. I'll share the mic. Okay. Any, and who, was, who had the, the next question? I wasn't finished my question, but I want everybody to go ahead, Malcolm. Hey, DJ, do you, do you think that um, raising, say, a son under two men, a homosexual lifestyle, uh, you, do you think that that would challenge his his identity at all? His natural nope, um, identity? Have, I have two sets of friends of mine that have been, they've been uh, together for 30 plus years. These two men are now in their 60s, and their sons are happily heterosexual because you can't teach a child sexuality. You can't raise sexuality, and that's the biggest misinformation on the planet that people think that you subject, that the child is going to be attracted to who they're going to be attracted to no matter what you do. If your child's going to be a murderer, you can – now, I'm not comparing the two, so don't get it twisted. <laughs> the, the, what do you think these parents think when their child comes out to be a serial killer? 
there's something you can't teach a child to be a serial killer. You can't teach a child who they're going to be attracted to. I'm not making the similarities. I'm just trying to show you stark differences. You can't raise sexuality, and that's been the biggest misconception. So, hey, DJ. There, it, yeah, DJ, I'm sorry. Um, just a quick question. Um, and it seems like the theme almost is that in the comparisons between homosexuality and heterosexuality, um, would you say that homosexuals are in more loving relationships or are better parents than heterosexuals? Do you believe well, that? Well, I'm on the fence for that because there are a lot of homosexual relationships that are dysfunctional only because dysfunction knows no sexuality. Dysfunction in the home or dysfunction in the relationship knows no sexuality. So if you were raised in a dysfunctional family and you haven't been uh, you haven't thought this through and make self-assessments, because I had to make self-assessments. Do I want to be like my dad, and do I want to run and play games with my, with, with, with my partner and cheat on my partner? So it really boils down to your inner dysfunction. If you're dysfunctional as an individual and you haven't fixed that dysfunction, that dysfunction you're going to pass on to your children. That dysfunction you're going to pass to your relationships. So it's not a sexuality-based thing, dysfunction. I don't know if I answered your question or not. but The one, the one thing... I'm sorry. Um, the one thing I wanted to, I mean, we talked about or we ended up your dad trying to kill you and fly, fly to New York and trying to find you so he can uh, rid you from this planet. Um, and, yeah, Uncle Duck is, is, is off the chain a little taste. But uh, but when, had, when was the last time you saw him from that day to this one? Oh wow! Uh, I hadn't seen him for, for for like 13 years. So it was on at the family barbecue on July the fourth, this past July the fourth, and uh, <laughs> okay. Very, so you saw him. Yeah. So you saw him. Did did um now now the last time you saw him, he wanted to kill you, right? Yeah. Or okay. And so were you kind of nervous when you guys kind of reconnected, or was it a reconnection? Um, I, I wasn't nervous. I was nervous uh, for the first. Let's see, I got out of the Air Force, I got out of the military in uh, 1987, and I talked to my brothers and my sisters, and I Mm -hmm. asked them were they having nightmares, and both my sisters, Denise and Marquetta, and Marcus, Marcus may not admit to it now because you know how over-masking the Marcus is, but to make a long story short, all of us have had nightmares because of how Daddy raised us because we were all afraid of him, physically afraid of him because he's very, he off the hook. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... I had to deal with my fear of him for from 1987 all the way through 1997, and I struggled with being afraid of my father. I had terrible nightmares because he was abusive. Um, So when I saw him, I already made peace with my fears. I'm no longer afraid of him because guess what? I now know my own manhood because my father never thought I was a man, and he still doesn't think I'm a man. So um, in his eyes, I'm not a man. And so I've been trying to prove my manhood to him all his life. But when I start studying on my own, um, I recognize that my manhood comes from within. It comes from my power. It comes from my meditation. It comes from my connection to God. So you so mean it tell was a, me. It was a very different experience when I saw him, though. I was no longer afraid of him. Okay, okay. So so you went to the, the family function not knowing if he still wanted to kill you or not. I guess that's actually true. <laughs> I didn't okay, know what to then, expect. Now let me ask you: Did you did you have your boy with you? I mean, your partner? Yes, I did. That's the first time I've ever well brought um, CJ around uh, anybody in my family. I introduced him to I introduced 
CJ, my partner, and my mom uh, this year for the first time too. Uh, so it was a little different, and, and it, that went very differently too. Now, what was the encounter like? Because you haven't still your dad, and you're still his son, no matter if he sees you as a man, whatever he sees you as, that's still your father. He's still off the chain at the age of whatever he is, okay? But how how was the, the – you, did you talk to him? Did you communicate with him? Did you, did you guys have a conversation? Well, we spoke, and next thing I know, it was, it was a lot of stuff going on. It was a lot of distractions. Um, well, his closest brother, actually uh, – uh, Uncle Tom, um, yeah, uh-huh. uh, spoke on his behalf, kind of, sort of. I don't know if my father put him up to it or not, but so Uncle Tom asked me all the questions that I assume my father wanted to ask me because my father sat there in complete silence. So um, he didn't say hey to you? He didn't greet you after 13 years of not seeing you? No, he, he, he did greet me. Um, uh-huh. It was very strange energy. He, he did greet me. It wasn't an angry greeting. It was just... I think he was trying to size me up to see if I was okay and healthy and, you know, because um, I, I have to share this with you. He wished, well, I don't want to say he wished. He said to me 13 years ago, if I die of AIDS, he's not coming to my funeral because he don't want no faggots in the family. That's what my dad told me. So mm. I think he was looking at me in such a way to see if I was healthy or was I doing well or, you know what I mean? So it was one of those yeah. looks. He looked me over to see if I was – and. You know, um, all of my family is like, wow, you know, looking at me as if everyone else treats me as if I'm normal. So there yeah. you go. Well, it's a lot of guys. <laughs> it, it's a lot of guys on this call, man, that, that have sons that, that, that they don't even kind of want to admit that they have homosexual tendencies or they are homosexual. Um, but to help them out, what should a father or how should a father treat his son if he found out that he chose to live an alternative lifestyle? Uh, there's that choice word again, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> um, okay. Here's the thing. I now realize that you cannot raise, and this is just my thought process. It may not be right or wrong. I'm making that disclaimer. But from my perspective, being that I was raised to be straight, because you know, Darren, you're my cousin. You know I was raised yeah. to be straight because of how my dad yeah. is. Right. You can't really raise. It's tough to raise your son as a straight son, and it's tough to raise your son as a gay son. You should raise your son without the thought process of of sexuality. You teach your son not to steal. You teach your son uh, to to be productive in society. You teach your son not to abuse his wife. You teach your son to love. You teach your son to learn how to communicate because many African-American men don't teach their sons how to communicate and communicate effectively and have intelligent relationships. I knew nothing about having an intelligent relationship because I did not learn that from my father. I had to teach myself and encounter people and read books to figure out how I need to have an intelligent relationship. So when you raise your child and you raise that son you think is gay, if you start focusing on him being gay, that's going to push him closer to being gay because you're, you're, you're raising him in such a way or you're being negative to him about your suspect, suspicion of him being thin. because I was a little soft kid growing up. And he said all the focus is on wild feminine. And to me, that seems like it pushes you in the direction you don't want your child to go in. And let your children arrive at their sexualities on their own. You pray for them, bless them, and keep it moving. 
but don't raise him in such a way that you're not loving him and you don't have an emotional attachment to him because that, that leads the child to all sorts of horrors because one of the horrors for me is suicide. I almost mm. lost my life some years back because I, I, I didn't feel I had the love of my father. And that mm. also causes sexual compulsivity when you don't raise your child lovingly because that child's going to be looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in the parks, mm. looking for love through um, online sex. And so you have to think about these things with, when you're raising your child, um, especially that son that you assume is gay, and your whole focus is on trying to make him not make him gay. You, you have to be careful about that. Here, here, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Okay. Here's something I want. Here's something I want to point out, and then ask you a follow-up question. I agree with you totally on the sexuality uh, component because, uh, as I said to a family member who said that they were of a different uh, of a way of thinking, I said, "Okay, well, how about you do this? Don't do any sexual activity. Don't look at any porn. Don't do anything for 30 days. Then, after the end of the 30 days, if you still feel that way, then therefore you are the individual." did that, and was like, you know, I feel detached. I feel like I'm asexual now. So my point is, I agree with you in the middle that a lot of people are over-sexualized, and they're doing something in, psych- in, in, in a, a, a psychology that they call that love-sex addiction, where they're trying to equate some type of love with sexual activity, whether they're straight or not. I did thing- that, and it caused a world of danger for me. Right, right. Right. They, they had a whole section of psychology book on that. But the, the other thing I agree with you at, well, slightly disagree, is that my experience with a lot of folks, including my cousin, is they try to over-sexualize a kid. And a lot of children, grown adults of the lifestyle, have spoken, have been the main people speaking against. Now, I'm not trying to defame. I'm just saying where I meet you in the middle and where I disagree. I understood. I appreciate that. The the follow-up question, though, is is a little heavy in that if I know you are of a different thinking and you really can't speak of anybody else, and I applaud your different way of thinking uh, because, again, it's very rare that I hear people say the things that you're saying. But... For the people who are who are doing these things in general, if if people are not allowing them to follow your practice of don't teach them asexual, whether they straight or or uh, of of a different uh, lifestyle opinion, don't don't you think that that should be a concern of other people? Because I I, I was on a show where somebody said. What do, what do straight people have a problem with uh, gay folks? And I said, well, some of the stuff gay folks do seem disingenuous. Not that straight people are perfect. It's just it, it doesn't seem – I don't know if I'm even phrasing this question. Well, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying, because there are some I, – I, and I have to say this. When I, when I first started dealing with my sexuality and living in New York, um, a whole lot of stuff I saw, I was like, oh, my gosh, this, the gay people do this kind of stuff? So I'm not judging it, but I was appalled at it because I was like, wait a minute. So there's what I call the next thing is an imbalance. There's so many gay people that are, that are out here that are trying to raise the gay flag of, oh, this is, uh, this is me being gay, and I want to be a woman, and I want to wear heels and do all this other kind of stuff when you know you're a man, which, which touches on some other things. But, but to keep more to my point, it's like 
they're being they're not true to who they who they are. Because gayness for me is only a small part of who I am. I'm first. I'm an author first. I'm a singer second. I'm a songwriter third. I'm an intellectual fourth. See, that's how my life is. Me being gay is not the main part of my life, and I, that's how I live my life now. And with my friends, I have about 20 friends that have been lifetime friendships, and they all think the same thing. Being gay is only a small part of my life. It, doesn't, it does not need to overtake everything. I don't have to prove to society that I'm worth living here. I just, my worth by living is, is proven by the quality of the life that I live. Who, who am I touching? Who am I teaching? Can I pay my blessings forward? Those are the kinds of things that me and my gay friends, we, those, those are the kinds of things we think about. So I agree with you on in terms of the disingenuous part because it's a lot of it out there. Well, you know, DJ, this, this is, I mean, me and you can talk forever, and we will, con- I mean, you know, that, that's just how we are because, you know, I don't, di- I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I don't cross a certain line, and you don't care if I agree with your lifestyle a lot or not, but we don't, we don't argue about it. And I think that well, one you thing, respect uh, me as as my younger cousin. You you've always respected me. You've never treated me disrespectfully, and you've been. In you, fact, you're one of the the few male cousins that even have a conversation with me because you you don't see me as a gay man. I I see you see me as a as a man. Period. And and as men, we don't cross the boundaries that we set. You know, I don't like wash my gayness down your throat. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, and, and part of that, part of that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not scared of you, but I've seen you fight. And I think a lot of people, <laughs> you know, a lot of people get it twisted, you know. They run up on the wrong person, and they think that they this way, and they really not, you know. But um, but he is, I mean, from my personal experience with him, a uh, very intellectual person. You said you was an author. Um, uh, do you plan on putting, because, I mean, you got 40-something years of experience and you done seen it all from youth, 11- and 12-year-old people getting kicked out to uh, download brothers. Um, do you plan on putting all any of this in a book? Or a uh, yes, I do. Um, and, and it's going to speak to a lot of that. Uh, the book of the title of my book is called Broken But Not Bruised. Um, and then the subtitle is, well, in fact, it's called Broken But Not Bruised, um, Smoldering Embers. And it has a lot to do with, uh, suppressed feelings of anger, hatred, and all other emotions. So it's called broken but not bruised. Um, for a okay. long time, I, I was I felt broken, and I didn't allow. And, and I'm not talking about religion. I didn't allow God in my life at that point because I thought I was broken. I thought I was not repairable. And so right. the book Broken but Not Bruised speaks to suicide and depression, low self-esteem, sexual compulsivity, dysfunction, codependent behavior, emotional abuse, relationship intelligence, um, dealing okay. with your shadow self. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but, yes, yeah. I am definitely. Okay, so, so when, when, when is that going to be out in a couple of weeks and then people can go and, and check it out? On, uh, yes, it's going to be out very shortly. Um, I know the okay. first thing it'll be out, it'll be an e-book, and then it'll be in print as well. I will be probably using um, – Amazon and Barnes and Noble and a couple of other uh, online stores uh, that you can buy the ebook first, and then the print version will be coming out shortly after that. 
Okay. But I'm still All looking right. for like a distribution deal. I'll put in the plug in for that. I still need a national distribution, so <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We we we, uh, we got a resident author on we got a resident author on the line. I'm sure he can help you out with that. But um Oh wow, okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> we'll get with you offline. We'll get he'll get with you offline, but um he knows who he is. But uh I have a monkey wrench and I wanna go uh-huh. back to something you said, DJ. Um and Correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that homosexuality is a small part of your life. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Good. All right. I thought I heard that correctly. But I want to throw this at you in a different way. Um, and being the fact that, you know, it's a small part of your life, let's say, you know, some years, what if, like, uh, similarly to uh, Donnie McClurkin, what if you were only gay for a season and this, you know, this homosexuality piece um, will eventually run its course? Um, I can, actually have can... thought about that, actually, okay. um, because, again, the biggest – because homosexuality used to be the biggest part of my life back in 1987, 1999, 2000, 2001, and I had to just put a stop to it in terms of letting it overtake my life. So I had to get that out of the way. But in terms of the Donnie McClurkin piece, I, I don't want to talk too much about that because I have I have a issue with that. <laughs> um, if you don't know the person personally, you really mm-hmm. don't know if they're out of homosexuality. Um, mm-hmm. To date, mm-hmm. it has never ever ever been successful. That's all I can say because if you're in the music circles, like I was in the music circles, and you see things, you hear things, and you recognize, oh, okay, these are gimmicks. If you will, I'm not saying that this is with that particular person. I'll never say that. I just want to put the thing out there that, hey, sure. what you see is not always what you think you get. Um, you know what? Can, can, uh, can I act to this before you leave? I, I, this has always puzzled me, and I'm here in Atlanta. I, anytime I say this to people, especially ladies, they'll say, no, that person was bi. I have heard, I have had sexual friendships with women who were out-and-out lesbians. I mean, on all appearances in their circle were lesbians. But they had hush-hush other relationships. And through my experience dealing with these people, here's something that really baffled me, and I'm not trying to eke you out. I'm really trying to understand. Oh, no, totally not. I'm I'm, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because I ask this of all people. Liberace was my favorite pianist. But he had a sexual relationship with a teenager, Rock Hudson, so on and so forth. When I moved out here to Atlanta, I saw so many lesbian ladies with youngsters, people, people they need to have the police called on them. And it, it, it always baffled me why people in the LBG community see the same thing I'm saying. I'm trying to call the cops. They they like don't get involved in why why is that? I can't be the answer for it, but I can give you a bit of perspective. Uh, one perspective I can give you is there are a lot of when I actually started dealing with my sexuality, I was in New York. It was 2000. I was kind of young. Um, I'm 46 now. Just to say, there's a lot of old men trying to holler at me. I mean, a lot of old, old married men, old men that weren't married, perverts, all kind of folks. So it is part, it's a, it's a part, the shadow part of, of the lifestyle that there are a lot of 
Um, and, and I'm not saying it has anything to do with sexuality. It's just it, it, it's there, you know. Uh, there are a couple of my friends who have who are dating people who are a little bit younger than what I kind of see for them. But then I don't I can't judge their situation. But it's kind of it's a it's a different thing. It's something that I think I have to start focusing on in terms of trying to figure out myself because it's not an not an easy easy thing to kind of put words on right now. I don't really have the right vocabulary for that. I appreciate that. And, and you know what? Just as a follow up to the panel, because what 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 I get into political conversations with people, and when the whole LB thing comes up, I say, you know what? People got a fear of their children many a times because. People like me have seen behind the veil, and they see X, Y, Z, and it's like not as many people in the life are speaking against it as one human being would like to see. Ah. And it's concerning as a straight person, if you're telling me like what happened in Oakland, California, that you feel people are getting bullied at high school, so you want to introduce this book about same parents to some eighth graders. Well, yeah, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Handle your issue where the issue is. Don't go messing with the kid. And this, right. is, the, this is the political thing that always comes up. Yo, you think people are molested. And I tell people all the time, I've seen behind the veil. I know that they do. So, and, and, but I'm glad you're more honorable. But, you know, that's my concern is that I see these things of, Little boy got raped by three boys in the uh, in, in the high school uh, thing. No, no glad came up and said that's bad, you know. So right, right, right. That's my they concern. Choose their political battles, and that should yeah, be yeah. one of them because it does happen. I have a, I have one of my friends who was raped actually as underage by his cousin, and I have a feeling that my friend was not meant to be gay. If that makes any sense. Um, mm. I don't quite understand his sexuality, but he was raped by one of his cousins. And he's like, so it was a very strange type of a situation. And he, he is homosexual, so to speak, um, but he feels that his choice or his, his natural choice of selection, and I don't want to call it choice, his natural, uh, it, it disrupted his natural process. Because I think your sexuality is a process. It's not something that happens one day and then changes the next. But I, I think him being raped urged him in a different direction other than what was it was meant to be, if, the, if you will. I don't know. There are a lot of gay people that probably hit me saying that, but I have to say it that way. You know, I wasn't raped, so I can't use that as, an, as a reason for being gay um, because I always thought and I was always attracted to. But there's a lot of horrible things that happen. You know, in New York, and, and living, living uh, I lived in the streets for a couple of times, so I got to see so much. And these older guys raping these younger guys, or if you see these young guys on the corner, they get raped. That is scary. And I think it needs to be addressed politically and on some other levels as well. Yeah, well, one thing about it, one, one thing about it, DJ, um, the next time I, I, I come have you to this show, um, we're gonna, I didn't even get to talk about your gay pastor, which was a huge monkey wrench tonight, and I didn't even get to it. Um, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, but we're gonna we're gonna have to. We I, I want to talk to you about your download friends because that's gonna be another show at another time as well. So okay. it's a lot of insight to these things because we want to know 
How come the down little brothers just can't be straight up like yourself? Okay, right. how I warn I mean, my sisters of down little brothers because it's scary. I don't want my sisters being with no brother who ain't real about what he's attracted to. Down little brothers, right. and to me, more dangerous. Is, that, that increases the HIV rate because you down low right. and you sleeping with this woman, you sleep with these other men, and you get carrying all sorts of things to my sisters. No, I don't want that right. to happen. Right. So I'm going to get with you offline so I can get those guys' information. Because I mean, okay. we don't want to we don't want to condemn anybody. We just want to speak to them. We're going to bring them to the show, and that's going to be another topic for another night. But if any, it's already in the does anybody right? got? It's already, it's in, already archives. in the archives. Yeah, it's called oh, on you, the download. Yeah. Okay, um, but we haven't we haven't spoke to a person. No. Yeah, but I have a monkey wrench. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We got we got uh, 13, 14 minutes. Yeah, this was a quick one. This is a quick one. And uh, okay. thank you for sharing, DJ. Um, Oh, no but problem. My monkey wrench is pretty simple. <clears throat> Guess who's coming to dinner is the topic. And what about when the married men on talk show comes to your house for dinner? What's going to happen? What, what what would you expect if Tony, Darren, and Rodney showed up at your doorstep for dinner? <laughs> uh, well, you're going to eat really well because I know how to cook. Me and my partner know how to cook. Um you, you you won't see a lot of gay paraphernalia because I don't again we don't live our lives as gays we live our lives as men if that makes any difference. Um, uh, if you want the game on, I don't care about sports, but the game will be on. Or if you're in the music, the music is going to be on. So and you're going to get yeah. jazz. You're going you're going to get because uh, uh, I love I have a passion for music. So you're going to get introduced to probably music you never thought you never heard of. Um, and yeah. then you'll get intelligent conversation. You'll get. Just good times. You get barbecue. You get that's just so that's just an experience with <laughs> with us. If that makes any sense. I would I would like to I would like to uh, this is TJ here. I'd like to address that as well. Uh, when I was with my ex, uh, she had a colleague um, who uh, had a partner. They'd been together for I think in that particular colleague of hers had a partner of, of six years. They both were men. So I've had. You know, I've had them over for dinner. I mean, it, it was still um, in the case of both were uh, respectful, you know, and, yep. and I mean, I, I've, you know, and, and had a nice time because uh, they were simply uh, two men that that were humans. You know, I'm, I'm yep. a human being, and, and I, I don't do um, just this because of um, spirituality, uh, just to bring up. Uh, even from a biblical sense of my own shortcomings, I, you know, it's just I, I just go there. Two humans, they found each other. You know what? You know that's you know that's them. You choose whom you serve. You choose what you're going to do. Um, but that with that said, I, I had some friends that were lesbian that they've been together for over 25 years as a lesbian couple. So um, I mean that that. That is, it is what it is. I just go, they are, they are, it is what it is. There's a number of different conditions uh, that a person would, would, would arrive at that particular lifestyle. So we just, just, I just thought I would chime in because you said what happens if they show up. Well, I would hope they would be human and cordial and move forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's just like in the, in the professional workplace. If they're working on their assignment of duties and 
whatever they're doing in their private life is their, their private life. I'm focused on their assignment of duties and, and making sure that, that they are uh, uh, rendering those in a professional manner. Oh, yeah, my, good. Question, my, my question was actually more generic, and it was actually directed to the heterosexual guys, too. Well, which, I, which I am. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, I'll, and, I'll re, and I'll restate it. You know, I'll restate it. What would happen if the Married Men Don't Talk show showed up for dinner at your house? Guess who's coming to dinner? The Married Men Don't Talk show. What would we do? I, I mean, how, how would you envision that dinner going? Well, I, I, I had the Married Men Don't Talk show at our house, and we had fireworks in, in the in the. Uh, Front yard, and we drank and uh, played pool and ping pong and ate and and kicked it, you know. So we, we had, had, we had a good time. That's right. That, you was there too, right? Yeah. That's uh, right. Andrew was there. Andrew, yeah. The only one that wasn't there, Mr. Married Men Don't Talk Show, want to come to your house is Rodney. <laughs> yeah, Rodney so. had, had to sit down and take a leak that night. <laughs> hey Darren Yeah Really quickly And this is I guess I was going to Put this to the host Of the show But I guess it can go To any of the guys Now DJ You said you were Born gay Correct Yeah Okay This is to the To the To the heterosexual males um, My brother is gay um, I know gay Other gay men And I've Asked gay people this question, and I personally believe that uh, you can be born gay. I know for a fact, Darren, well, I believe for a fact that you don't think that. Why is it that heterosexual males uh, either don't just ask a gay person or have a problem believing that? Well, I got a problem believing it because, I mean, because it, just like it was brought up tonight, it was you, you were born into a world of sin. Now, uh, in the times of, throughout time, God has made people uh, in different classes. Uh, he has put people on this earth to, to, to perform arts and paintings and drawings and singings. And, you know, and he, he made people for gesturing but, uh, and uh, made people for fighting and warriors. All these people are made differently, but they're born in the place of sin. It's just so happened, in my, in my opinion, uh, it just so happened, I believe, that a man that was born with the, the arts, the gifts of art, like my cousin, and every gay guy I know, um, they all very artistic. They very they they into some kind of song and music. They into some kind of painting. They into some kind of a uh, poetry and all these things. And I think they get stuck with that stigma of look, you're not like the guys who over here playing football. So once they've been told they're this for so long, uh, those seeds are planted and they start growing as they grow. Now. Uh, we always thought DJ was soft when he came up, but I was like, I just don't understand how come he got so many fine women around him. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll start, you know, you know, hollering at him like that because he wasn't bashful to holler at anybody, but they was just automatically attracted to him. I don't know why they understood him or, or whatever, but that was that's my opinion about why um, that these 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 feminine acting men uh, get this 
get this stigma of just this, and then they stuck with it, and, they, and, it, and it spiraled out of control. That's what I believe. Okay. Question. Yeah, you didn't answer his question. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, at all, at all. <laughs> but yeah. feminine don't mean gay either. I think that, I think the mass information people think that feminine equals gay, and I think it, it does right, not. Right. If you look at other societies like African men, there's a lot of them are kind of soft. And my own stereotypical view, because as a gay male, I was also stereotypical when I first started dealing with sexuality, and I, I met some. Gay African men, I was like, well, they were straight, excuse me. I met them, and I was like, kind of thinking, are you gay? And I'm like, they were not, they were far from being gay. So feminine doesn't equal equal gay. Right, I but think I think that society, society that. put that on there. Yeah, society yeah. put that on them, and it kind of it grows with the tear, and the weed is starting to, start to grow together, and then that confusion comes in. That's what I believe. That's, here's, I believe here's, I answered the question. Here's why yeah, I, I – go ahead. No, you go ahead. No. No, 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 you go ahead. I haven't said too much. I'm tonight. sorry, go this ahead. is Paul. I, I didn't get to say something yet. I wanted to stress something. In general, I just wanted to speak up about an issue. Um, I am a musician. I know about the art scene. And I also happen to be a male flute player. And that stereotypes that come with that, certain instruments, it's ironic. Uh, you know, a lot of guys see a female trumpet player and they think she's a lesbian. Right. And a lot of people see a guy flute player. And I've been hit on by a lot of gay guys because of that fact. So sometimes mm. there's just certain mindsets in society. Um, so, you know, in the arts, and I've seen in the medical field and different things like that, fashion, design, illustration. Well, I just wanted to answer the question. I, I don't believe the born scenario because I've never heard a zoologist confirm it, not one. Uh, I am a researched type of individual, so I go all the way back to Robert Kraft, first person who studied in 1800, uh, in addition to all the claims recent. And I don't see anything to where some zoologist can confirm anything that's said. Every time someone says that they found X, Y, and Z, you, I have come to find out that they have connections to the particular group that they're championing. Um, and so I try to negate both and say, well, maybe there's a zoologist. And mm. then I find out that there's only three groups out of the millions of animals in nature who operate in such a fashion. Many people try to refer the Makai monkeys who also uh, have sex with trees, and that doesn't make does not make them pre-sexual. So that's when I uh, came into studying uh, hey, the... Did you say pre-sexual? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was making a joke. Yeah, well, I, was well, making I have a, a joke. question for you as well. I'm good, man. I'm good. Let him finish yeah, the point. Yeah. He only got a few minutes. Go ahead, class. Go we got six go minutes. We got six minutes yeah. left. Go ahead, class. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so, you know, just like your dog humps your leg doesn't make him knee-sexual. So my, my thing is, I came, I came to find out that there is a such thing as oversex, there is a such thing of sexual trauma, i.e. rape, and that some individuals, even in the hermaphrodite uh, conversation, choose one way or another. So I've come to look at it from that standpoint. I don't, nobody can show me a zoologist that confirms it in the wild. But go ahead, sir. Can I say something? Mm-hmm. And this is going to uh, directly to DJ. And I, I don't have an answer to that question. 
but I do know that the God that I serve doesn't make mistakes. And the fact that as long as you've been talking, none of these brothers have hung up the phone. So what that tells me is that you've been a blessing tonight on this call. Absolutely. There's some, issues, there's some issues that we don't talk about for whatever reason that we needed to talk about. We needed to hear what you Absolutely. had to say. We, we needed dialogue with you tonight, whether it's dealing with our family members, dealing with our sons, dealing with our wives, dealing with coworkers, whatever it is. So I want you to walk away from this show knowing tonight that you have been a blessing to us and that you are Thank welcome you, to come back when, whenever your heart feels that you need to come back and share you have an open invitation. And this is Tony. I'm one of the, the founders of it. So I'm telling you, oh, okay. it's, been awesome. it's been a great, a great show. And I wish you all the success with your book. And hopefully uh, you will give you us so the much. invitation to come by so we can come by and eat some of that barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Y'all go ahead. All right, fellas. Well, we're going to close it and open it up for open mic for four minutes and give these give everybody a chance to talk behind the scene. All right. We'll 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 join you for next week. Please join us for next week for our next week's show. Uh I think Rodney is doing Yeah. It's called Fun. Hey, yeah. Huh? Give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, okay. Give me a second. Give me a second. I just want to throw out a big thanks, Darren, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, I've already got your book off of iTunes, How to Stay Married at Least 100 Years. Amen. Thanks, brother. Uh, Later on.